Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. This is Off Topic, Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons Podcast. I'm Damas Leary. I'm Broderick Goddess. Happy, Happy New, New Year! Year. Off topic, hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at hunting scast. Excuse my voice. This today is a special, special episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. We are going to be doing a bit of an end-of-year wrap-up spectacular, Mm. starting with our normal going through the news segment, doing a bit of what we've been watching, and then talking about the year in review, Mm -hmm. specifically TV side of things, but also maybe just the year in general, Mm -hmm. because, you know, what else are we going to talk about? (laughs) Uh, So let's get straight into it. News in Fuller. What do we got, Brad? What do you got for me? What I'm learning from News in Fuller is that a watched pot never boils. He's doing mm. absolutely nothing, but let's be fair, that's what most of us are doing. So um, we're going to give Brian Fuller a, a Maybe pass next year we'll have to think of a different segment. No, fuck that. The mo- okay, yes. It's like bait, right? If yep. we change the segment, then he'll do something. Well, that thing's like, well, we we'll can't watch him anymore. So yeah. we've got to look away. I think it's a good idea. He's feeling shy, and I get it. Uh, corrections. Ooh. Tatiana Maslany is playing <gasps> She-Hulk in an upcoming Disney Plus series. What a roller coaster it's been. After she denied early reports that this was the case. We'll talk more about Disney Plus later. But this is a correction for a correction because it turns out that we were right the first time. Mm. So, suck it, internet. Uh, some headlines. <clears throat> There's been a few to get through. It's been a couple of months since we've done an off-topic hot topic. While we've been away, Alex Trebek, host of the long-running game show Jeopardy, passed away in early November at the age of 80 after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. That's very sad. Mm-hmm. Have you much watched Jeopardy? N- no, not really. I think I've, I only really know Alex Trebek from, like, him being mentioned on other TV shows and things. Because it didn't really air here, did it? Um, it, Well, it is now. You can find a lot of it on Netflix, yeah. would you believe, in Australia. And I've watched a few episodes that mm. way. I think of it, there was something getting around about how um, prolific Jeopardy was, or still is, because the show is going on even without Alec now. But the, Alex should say. Um, but like in pop culture, it's like in Groundhog Day and mm-hmm. in... Um, Rain Man and stuff like this, like it just shows up all over the place. So I knew it from that more, yeah. and from the SNL skits with Will, Will Ferrell. Mm. Yeah, it was that was something I was very aware of. Yes. Um. So Alex Trebek to me for a long time was that character, um, which is not fair to Alex Trebek. His <laughs> long career, no. Absolutely. Um. That is very sad news. Yes. Uh. Joss Whedon. This is a big headline I want to get to before we get to oh, the little I'm stuff. Tired already, bro. Joss Whedon is no longer attached to HBO's upcoming show The Nevers, which was set to be Whedon's first return to TV since Dollhouse ended a decade ago. Decade ago. So I'll go through Whedon's statement here. Sorry, before we go on, I'm drinking an iced coffee, so I apologise for the, the chinks some, of my ice. Yeah, the clinking of the ice. It's yeah. just the scotch and coke she's got in her hand. <laughs> 
this year of unprecedented challenges was impacted has impacted my life and perspective in ways I could not have imagined. And while developing and producing the Nevers has been a joyful experience, I realized the level of commitment required moving forward, combined with the physical challenges of making such a huge show during a global pandemic, is more than I can handle without the work being beginning to suffer. I am genuinely exhausted and am stepping back to marshal my energy towards my own life, which is also at the brink of exciting change. I'm deeply proud of the work we have done. I'm grateful to all my extraordinary cast and collaborators and to HBO for the opportunity to never, to sorry, to shape yet another strange world. The Nevers is a true labor of love, but after two plus years of labor, love is about all I have to offer. It will never fade. End quote. So, Yes. What are your initial feelings based on this news, based on what we know about the Nevers sort of being like it was meant to be a female-led Joss Whedon type show we haven't had for a while. We've been looking forward to this. Have you told me about the Nevers before? We've talked about the Nevers multiple okay. times. Well, I have no and memory in, of it. But, in terms so. of the news that it was ha- happening, like Joss okay. Whedon attached to a HBO, yes. it's yes. like a okay. superpower show set in like the 1900s or 1800s. Like it's a period setting mm-hmm. superhero show, female-led with Joss Whedon at the helm. I mean, I'm not overly invested in it yet. So the fact that he's left, I'm like, oh, I don't really care. I mean, when a creator leaves a project before you even see a moment of footage, it usually tells me it's going to be a fucking disaster. <laughs> so I'm not holding my breath that if it does come to fruition, that it's going to be something that I love. I'm always happy to be surprised. Um, but wasn't there some recent news about Joss that we got... I think you told me about it, but now I can't remember. So I wanted to get into that. Also, I meant to say, I was trying to figure out who sent this in. Uh, GJ Corbin, thank you Ah, for sending in this article. thank you, GJ. GJ sent this in. They wanted us to talk about this. Yes, so the other news around Joss (laughs) has been that over the last six months or so, Mm. there's been allegations getting around, um, most notably um, from Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in Justice League, that, that... Joss was involved in some abusive behaviour on set. Um, Apparently, the WB did an investigation into that, and that investigation is now over, Mm -hmm. and they have said that has led to, quote, remedial action, but we haven't seen any of that. The allegations were never particularly specific. Mm -hmm. It was all very, very vague. There was some... He was backed up somewhat by Zack Snyder, who, as much as I'm aware, wasn't on the set along Ray Fisher, yeah. so I'm not sure how much that holds up. But then even some statements from Gal Gadot um, have maybe added to that, but they've been very vague too. Well, didn't like, oh, I can't remember his name, Aquaman back to him up? Oh, Jason um, Momoa. Momoa. Yeah, he did to some degree as well. Or certainly backed up Ray Fisher. Yeah, that's Ray Fisher. Yeah. Nothing ever really came out that was specific. And does it need to? Maybe not. But it, everything is just murky around it. When this is a... Warner Brothers thing, HBO mm. Max are making the Snyder Cut now, and HBO are also, well, Joss Whedon is leaving the HBO-led mm-hmm. show he was making. Yes, it's all like, around the same time. Yeah. It kind, makes you go, what's happening? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is the remedial action, well, we're not working with Joss Whedon anymore. Is that what this was? Did that yeah. happen, you know, a couple of months ago or a month ago or so, and now we're finding out that this was the remedial action? It's all speculation. Mm. However interesting, I find interesting also just reading just a statement about him being exhausted, um, you know, finding this year particularly difficult, the changes in his life that are exciting. Is he a flight risk? Is he leaving? <laughs> what's, what? Yeah, what's – it was mm, – because a part of me goes like, oh, if he was kind of let go, yes. I feel like he would kick up a stink. But perhaps part of it is like 
We won't tell anyone exactly what you did or your actions, but if you go quietly, then we'll be all good. I think mm. there's a good chance that might be the case. Yeah. Um, again, all of this is speculation. Um, we don't have an insider knowledge. We don't, sadly. But the 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 whole thing, just the way it's happened, does feel a little bit like very managed, if yes. that makes sense. That he all through this though, Joss has not really said a lot. Mm-hmm. The one thing he did have a statement on, I believe, is that he was accused of changing Ray Fisher's skin colour in um, Justice League. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which he's denied vehemently. And I think under investigation is not really true. Mm-hmm. Was there colour correction? Sure. But that happens on with all everything. movies. And there's no real evidence that he made his skin lighter or darker or anything like Every that. Every aspect of film is colour corrected. Exactly. So, yeah. so he didn't... Sp- there's no evidence that I've seen that he specifically mm. did something like that to yeah. Ray Fisher's character. Um Anyway, that's probably the biggest story getting around. Okay. Uh, let's get to some just more basic headlines. Feel free to interject whenever you want. We've got some release dates. Um, I'm not sure if we mentioned before, but Sabrina Season 4 uh, is com- starting on Jan- Sorry, uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve. It's coming up real soon. That just oh. got announced today in an email I think I got. I wish that show was so much better, Brod. Like, I want to be excited for that, but it's just... Fucking shit. Um, we also got a release date for One Division premiering on Disney Plus on January 15th. Search Party Season 4 will premiere on HBO Max also in January. And a second Euphoria special is debuting mm. on HBO on January 24th. This special will focus on the character of Jules. Now, mm. did you watch the first special? That's I been- did, the Christmas special. Yes, which yep. was centred around Zendaya's character. Yes, Zendaya's it was. Um, and her sponsor. They were just like sitting in a diner having a chat and it was quite great. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So you're excited for another one of these yeah, absolutely. Sort of bridge I was, between season one and two? I mean, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Hmm. At first I was like, oh, there's a new season of Euphoria. That's weird. And then I realized it was just like one episode, like a special. And I watched it. I was like, oh, that was really good. That was really well done. Um, so yeah, I'd happily watch another. Excellent. Uh, HBO has officially greenlit The Last of Us TV series. It's based on the Naughty Dog developed video game of the same name mm-hmm. for its first season. This was going into production or, or was going into pre-production, was getting getting around to that. They've officially given it the green light for a full season. So that is exciting if you're into that. Lots of renewal news. Lots of shows that are getting new seasons. Amazon mm-hmm. has renewed sci-fi series The Expanse for a sixth and final season. A lot of people love that show. I should probably get to that one day. One day. Mm. HBO has renewed His Dark Materials for a third and final season. There are only three books in that series, wasn't there? No idea. Don't care. Probably makes sense. It's three seasons. HBO has also renewed uh, Kaylee Kyoko. I can never get her name right. Led the uh, the flight attendant for a second season, which oh, everybody's Angela talking. Angela loved that. People- she was, well, she didn't love it. She watched and she was like, sure, I'll keep watching. So, yeah. Th- that's a ring endorsement. <laughs> Did you watch any of it with her? No. No, I didn't. I've heard good things. People seem to be really enjoying that one. Sounds like pulpy fun. Mm, I do love pulp. Uh, Apple TV Plus is renewed for all mankind. That's the like alt history space race show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was vaguely interested in that and then I forgot about it. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh, that's getting a third season, so cool. that's good. I'm sticking around. Peacock has renewed AP Bio for a fourth season. Yahoo! Considering that was on the verge of cancellation, that is pretty exciting. Hulu. Well, it was cancelled. It was cancelled, correct. Yeah. And then it was picked up by Peacock because oh. they need to fill their slate a bit. Yeah, love it. Uh, Hulu has renewed The Handmaid's Tale for a fifth season. We haven't even seen season four yet, but something to look forward to. <sighs> <laughs> haven't we been through enough? <laughs> haven't we been through enough? AMC has renewed Fear the Walking Dead for a seventh season. Did you have any idea Fear the Walking Dead was up to seven seasons? No, but I've lost all track of any kind of... 
time or reference point. Well, this makes sense now. Seven seasons. Yeah, I I, I read the headline Didn't and was like... Ca- I swear it came out like three years ago. That's what I thought. Maybe they're short seasons that released twice a year. I think this is just like getting old. You don't <laughs> realise. It's like a zombie is just sort of like... Living beyond its means. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> FX has renewed It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for an additional three seasons on top of the season it already announced in the middle of the year and we reported on, pushing it to its 18th season. Mm-hmm. So something like 2024, the show will still be going and making it the outright longest running live action comedy series of all time with no competition alive. US. Alongside that in the US. Yes. Um, well deserved. I've, I've started rewatching it during lockdown and I was like, I fucking love this show. Excellent. Netflix has renewed the Elliot Page-led The Umbrella Academy for a third season. Netflix has- Tried to watch the first season. I was like, no, thank you. And turned it off. Not for me either, from Mm. what I've seen of it. Maybe it gets better. I don't know, but- (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've only got time for so much. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Netflix has also renewed Lily Collins-led Emily in Paris for a second season. Oh, très bien, très bien. That'll make Mm. Paul very, very happy. (laughs) It makes me happy. And while they're at it, Netflix have also renewed renewed the Steve Carell vehicle Space Force for a second season. Hopefully it gets good. Hopefully it gets good. (laughs) Yeah. As Netflix giveth, Netflix also taketh away, cancelling the order after two seasons. Uh, the Stephen King-inspired anthology series Castle Rock has been cancelled at Hulu after two seasons, and One Day to Time has been cancelled again, this time for good it seems. They love, like, punching those fans right in the face uh, over and over again. do. They oh, also, guys. from what I was reading, going into the researching for this, because it went to pop or whatever, which sort of like a, seemed like a, like a side, mm. like, you know, smaller cable network or whatever, and then it was getting put back on NBC or something like that because they need to fill their slate only to get cancelled again. It's like, what bastards? It's so terrible. The Disney DuckTales reboot has been cancelled and will finish next year after three seasons and 75 episodes. So I've watched a decent chunk. Most Mm -hmm. of season one I've been meaning to get back into DuckTales. It's quite, quite good because if you go back and watch the original, the show was never really that good. It was just one of those Saturday morning cartoons. Mm -hmm. You enjoyed the colours and the pictures as a kid. Um I'm finding that this is a trend. Maybe people who follow more of this stuff know than I do. The kids' cartoon shows tend to have a lifespan of about three seasons. Mm -hmm. Then they cancel them and reboot them again with a new art style, almost like they're worried that their current audience is getting bored of it and they need to restart it again. Is it just because the audience might age out of it and then like start again for a next gen? Possibly. Mm. I would love to count how many iterations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there has been in the last... Well, in my lifetime, mm. but possibly even the last like 10 to 15 years, I feel there's been three or four. Yeah. Is it always like similar to comic books where it's just like there is room to do that so they do it? But they, well, in a comic book though, in a comic book line, they'll try and make it all fit continuity wise, right? And mm. um, I suppose they do like old universe stuff, but yeah. even that ends up meshing. Um, this stuff I'm is not saying like, it's exactly the same, but the same kind of thing where you you can I suppose do you that. can. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that is true. Um but what's confusing about the DuckTales cancellation is that a Darkwing Duck reboot is reportedly in the works with Seth Rogen on board. Very so, interested in that one. Well, yes. And so interesting is Darkwing Duck has featured as a fictional character, I believe, inside mm. the world of DuckTales, mm-hmm. the new TV show. So when that was announced or when that was uh, reported on, it's not officially announced the Darkwing Duck reboot, but when it was mm-hmm. reported on, that was before the cancellation. People were like, cool, they'll do a crossover or whatever. No, <laughs> not happening, apparently. All right. Uh, some casting news. William Jackson Harper, i.e. Chidi Anagonye of The Good Place, has been cast as the lead in HBO Max's second season of Love Life. 
Love Life. Have I heard of Love Life? Yeah, you watched it, I believe. It's the Anna Kendrick show. Oh, I did watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fine. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, he's a. Uh, it has the over. potential to be much better. Sure. Just in terms of concept. So apparently, Anna Kendrick is a producer on the show now, mm-hmm. and she will her character will feature in the next season, but obviously not the lead. Yep. This now sort of becomes sort of like an anthology type series. That makes sense. I, okay. I like the idea. I think of that. It, it does have great potential, so I'll definitely check out the second season. Hmm, cool, Hassan. I'm also just happy that um, I'm seeing William Jackson Harper do more stuff. Yeah, he's I, got more work because he's great. He is great. Yeah. Um, I like to see him do other stuff beyond Cheedy. beyond Cheedy. Mm. Uh, Hassan Minaj, host of the recently cancelled Patriot Act, mm-hmm. is joining Apple TV Plus as the morning show for season two. His character is described as a charismatic rising star who joins the morning show team. I put that one in there mainly because we were speculating what he was going to do after the Patriot Act sort of got unceremoniously cancelled, and I thought was a success on Netflix. It's good to see him doing That's new stuff. That's nice, yeah. That's good. Congratulations. And former Prince Philip and Doctor Who alumni Matt Smith has officially been cast in the upcoming HBO Game of Thrones prequel series House of the Dragon as Targaryen Prince Daemon, who I'm informed by Song of Ice and Fire enthusiast, is a pretty big deal. That's Does that mean anything to you? I like Matt Smith. I'm I do. That, that part of it I really like. But I'll, I'll just wait and see. You're, you're still not I, excited about the show. I only have little slivers of hope left within my body, and so I just not I, wasting I, I have, it on. Yeah, exactly. I have to keep them for a special occasion, you know. And I just I can't spare it on that show. Speaking of Doctor Who, Bradley Walsh and Tosin Cole, companions Graham and Ryan, respectively, are leaving Doctor Who after the impending New Year's special, leaving Yaz as the sole remaining companion to Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? I mean, Yaz wasn't my favourite companion out of the three, but they certainly needed to slim down that cast. Yes. So I think that's probably a wise decision. It's... I'm not particularly. I know Jack is back in this new, like mm. New Year's Eve special and stuff, mm-hmm. but nothing that's happened up to this point has made me particularly excited. It seems like it's gonna be very companion heavy. Um, from the previews we're seeing, the Doctor is like in prison, and they're probably coming to save her with Jack, mm. which means it's gonna be less of Jodie Whittaker and more of the people that the characters I, I struggle with a bit. Yeah, the idea of a slimmed down cast for season series thirteen gives me. Not hope, yeah. <laughs> but but my enthusiasm is slightly higher going As forward. As is mine, yes. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are reports that True Blood is going to get a reboot um, from HBO. There's one in development at HBO. Were you a True Blood fan? I enjoyed the first, certainly the first season. I was like, this is cool. Also, just one of the best theme songs in, I think, the last, like, I'll about to say decade, but it's probably longer than a decade Probably ago. now. Fucking Who hell. knows anymore? I'm old. Um... So, yeah, no, I did like the first few seasons. It went insane, absolutely insane. But the first little bit was really good. I'd, I'd probably check out a reboot. Yeah, cool. why not? Is it, do you, there's potential there? There's enough there there to do a reboot? I think it's or? a really fun world to spend some time in. Sure. Do they need to spend as much time as they did last time? No. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it is a fun world. Yeah. NBC, on the other hand, are developing a modern-day gender-swapped reboot of Zorro. Can you say that to me again, please? NBC <laughs> are developing a modern-day, mm-hmm. gender-swapped reboot of Zorro, as in okay. the must. So, this is... Okay. 
So Zorro, TV show Zorro. Yes, originally a television show yes. back in the day. We've since known it more for the movie with Antonio Banderas. I think two movies. Oh, actually. more importantly, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh my god, Good what point. a revelation as a child that I was. I need to watch that movie again. It's been a long time. You probably don't need to watch it. I've heard good things about that movie. Really? Yeah, people seem to think Is it, it holds actually... up. Actually, apparently, it holds oh. up the first one. Yeah. I just remember when he like. Oh, took the- off her dress yes. with a sword. Iconic. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, that's really the only part of it I remember. <laughs> I can wonder why. Um, I who's making it? Uh, Other than- we do- I'm not sure we know the specifics of that yet. Because that we do- could be quite camp and fun. I like the idea of it. I think I can see this being a, an opportunity to do Zorro again could work. Yeah. In, a, in an era where the Mandalorian is working, I wonder whether something like Zorro, like superhero film TV mm. shows are all over the place. Zorro could be kind of fun to come back to. In an era as well where like we need, well, after more diversity mm. and stuff on yeah. screen. I mean that not necessarily because it's going to be female led, but from like people of color, Zorro could be really cool. Yeah. I think I'm more interested in like almost a campier homage than perhaps a serious as Mandalorian can be. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm happy to see what they do with it, but consider me interested. Mm, if, yeah. it, if it had some of the fun adventure tone mm-hmm. of the movie, which which is what we're familiar Lots of with. jumping on a moving horse, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> in modern day, mm-hmm, in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, ABC are developing a third Fantasy Island reboot. I don't care about Fantasy Island, but the fact that this has been re- rebooted for the third time is kind of insane. Can we please move on to something else? And is I- it just like producers are at the age where like they grew up watching Fantasy Island and they just think it was the best thing they ever saw? They have fond memories of it for some reason, right? And every time I watch it, I'm like, this is fucking shit. Anyway. I think what I wanted, I'm finding is I went through the last two months of news and maybe it's just timing of the year, but it's all... Renewal, 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 renewal. Nothing new. Everything mm. that we're hearing about that's being like casting or reports of like new shows are all familiar properties that are getting redone. Mm-hmm. So what I am sensing is a hesitation to make bold bets. You mm-hmm. want to bet on something that's already got exist, which has already been the case. But I think this pandemic year has made it even worse. Yes. Like that's the general vibe I got from collating all this news together. Um, you know what I think is a bold bet, though? Yeah. Is betting on something that has failed so many times before. Is that bold or is that just dumb? <laughs> I mean, they can be one and the same, really. When is the Love Boat reboot coming out? <laughs> oh, yes, please. I would actually think that would be pretty fun. I would watch fun. the shit I out could, of that. I could see that on Netflix. That would yeah. be fun. At the same time, FX are developing an alien TV show. So, there you go. Another property that's just being milked for its... For TV. I'm just trying to see where that would go. Okay. The Love Boat thing's actually got me interested now. How would you do Love Boat in a post-pandemic world? Have you seen... Um, oh. Like, maybe this is how... Maybe that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. As cruise ships are sort of down in popularity because of, like, COVID risk, they need to reinvigorate their image. So, they approach Netflix and say, could you please do us a Love Boat remake so people want to go on cruises again? I love that. It's going to happen. Or it takes place in a dystopian future where we no longer live in cities, but like floating cities. (laughs) And the love boat is its own country. (laughs) Okay. All right. If a love boat reboot is announced (laughs) in the next 12 to 24 months, we called it. I'm just saying. Uh, Paramount Plus. Jeez, I got some dumb names for these things. Is getting an iCarly reboot. I mean dumb names. They just all have the all same the name. Yeah. yeah. Is getting an iCarly reboot with most of the original cast. Were mm-hmm. you ever a watcher of iCarly? I was too old. Too old for that. I was excited about Lizzie McGuire. Oh, that's the next bit of news. Yeah. I have been very upset about what's happened. When so I can, then can we explain what happened? 
You can explain it because I refuse to. Because I've been requested that we make sure we talk about it at length. (laughs) Someone who wanted to be on the podcast today, but we couldn't make it work time-wise, had a lot of thoughts and wanted to make sure we got to it. Mm. Uh, Disney Plus's Lizzie McGuire reboot is officially dead. Quote from Lizzie McGuire herself, uh, Hilary Duff. Mm. I want any reboot of Lizzie to be honest and authentic to who Lizzie would be today. It's Amen. what the, it's what the character deserves. We can all take a moment to mourn the amazing woman she would have been and the adventures we would have taken with her. Uh. I'm very sad, but I promise everyone tried their best and the stars just didn't align. Hey now, this is what 2020's uh. made of. <laughs> oh. End quote. Yep. So when I found out that news, I was so annoyed. It's just so mean to have, like, they've started making it. And then Disney Plus were like, no, we want it to be shitter. <laughs> and then when people involved were like, well, we don't want it to be shitter, they were like, well, you can't have it then. It's just crap. It's fucking crap and it makes me annoyed. Can I, be, can I take your favourite position for a second and be the devil's advocate? Oh, I love that white man. Go on. <laughs> mm. Yes, I agree, of course, that Disney were asking to make it shitter. Yeah. I I can only assume, though, that mm. the vision that Hilary Duff had for this show mm-hmm. and what Disney Plus thought is like, well, it's Liz McGuire. This has yep. a built-in audience of a certain age. Mm-hmm. And we would like them to be able to watch this show. Mm. <laughs> Probably didn't line up exactly, I think is what it was. I I think- that, Wait, who's saying what? In that I think instance? Disney Plus is want this to be for a younger audience oh, yes. than what Hilary yeah. Duff wanted. Agreed. And yes, that would make it more shit. Definitely true. Mm-hmm. But when you are a streaming platform and yeah. Lizzie McGuire shows up <laughs> and you click on it and it's about her torrid sex life or something like that, yeah. it's like that might be a bit confusing for As, your streaming platform. This is Disney, remember? Yes. I think, well, I mean, <laughs> I think I was spoken about it before. I'm like, I don't necessarily need to see her getting like, abortions and stuff like that's not really what I wanted but I think you can certainly have like a more adult sensibility um, without you know having a finger on the subway but I also think 13 year olds would want to see (laughs) exactly absolutely I mean I just I wish they would have taken a bit of a chance on it. Yes. And I think... That's that's the sad thing, right? Yeah. Is it felt like where there was a possibility of getting something really cool mm-hmm. that wasn't expected. Yeah. And that was ha- shown to you, seemingly, mm-hmm. you know, actually going to happen because they were filming it and then yeah. taken away mm-hmm. just so cruelly. So cruelly. So cruelly. As yes. a big fan of that series as well, just the idea of a reboot. No. I, and I, it's such a Disney thing that yes. it's such a shame that they won't be just like able to take it somewhere else or like Disney will let it go somewhere else because it's like, I mean, Lizzie McGuire is Disney, so. But I guess I'm happy for iCarly fans. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. I mean, that's not Disney at least. That's Paramount Plus. That's, so that's, were they Nickelodeon or whatever? Must have been. Yeah. The, I I would like to one day hear maybe from Hilary Duff what the plan was, what mm. she was envisioning for this, uh, this version <laughs> of Lizzie McGuire. Can we get like a graphic novel of like, Lizzie McGuire in her 30s. Can someone just make that for me, That's please? a great idea. Mm, I'd, fuck yeah, I'd buy that. Or it can be like Izzy O'Guire or something like that. Like go for a, a, a knockoff. Izzy O'Guire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like sounds similar, mm. but like 
yeah, it's not quite going to uh, get yeah. the uh, and her Disney best lawyers on Blordo. Them. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> Speaking Brilliant. of Disney Plus, mm. earlier this month, Disney had its annual Investors Day, and over the course of a four-hour streaming presentation, unveiled a metric shit ton of upcoming content. Uh, usually, this stuff would probably be filtered out over the course of a year mm. through like D twenty three and other conventions and stuff like that. But nothing was happening this year, so they just put it all down today on that day. Uh, while these announcements did include movies to uh, get a traditional theatrical release. We're going to talk about just the the TV stuff or, the, or at least the Disney Plus stuff. So if it's a movie that's coming to Disney Plus, we will mention it briefly. But if it's a theatrical release movie, we're going to ignore it for mm-hmm. now. Unless there's something you really want to talk about. No. If it comes up, let me know. And we're going to go through these relatively quickly because there's a fucking lot of them. But the yep. first one is the one that excites me the most. Woo-hoo. Disney Plus will add a new content channel or hub in select international markets, including Europe, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, called Star. So, if you imagine the Disney Plus opening page, it's got like Mm -hmm. Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a new one called Star. The following details I'm going to go through come verbatim from Lauren Rouse uh, at Lifehacker AU, an article that uh, I will link in the show notes. Great article um, going through the main stuff for Australian listeners in particular. Although if you're from those other international markets, a lot of this will apply to you. Star will bring together Disney's content from Disney Television, FX, 20th Century Studios and Television, previously Fox, Touchstone, ESPN, and more and more depending on the region. Cool. I didn't know this. Go on, go on. The brand exists as a base for some of the more mature content from Disney's many brands. Some of the content that will be coming- Put Lizzie there, you fool. Anyway, go on, go on. Some of the content, again, it's that problem of once it's on Disney+, Plus. yeah. Some of the content that will be coming to star that has been shown includes existing titles like La Victor, Kingsman, Atlanta, and Logan, as in the movie Logan. The Wolverine mm-hmm. movie. Previously, most of this content has been either unavailable in Australia or scattered around various streaming services, but Star will bring it all to Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I said this properly, but essentially this is like Hulu, which we've never had in Australia, yeah. is coming to as an add-on to Disney+, Plus That's in Australia. That's cool. Which we've been needing for a while. Yes. And I've been very jealous because in the States, and I was going to say this later, Hulu is an add-on you can have on Disney+. Plus. Mm. We didn't have that option. New series coming to star that were announced on this day include the Kardashian Jenners, because they finished their previous show and this is their new one. That's well, it'd be the next gen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Only Murderers in the Building with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena (gasps) Gomez. (laughs) Okay, didn't expect that last name, (laughs) but very excited. Uh, The Dropout with Kate McKinnon, Dope Sick, Mm. starring Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson, and Peter Sarsgaard. The Old Man, starring Jeff Bridges, American Horror Stories, a spin-off of the successful American Horror Story series, and I think they're like little like returning to some of the characters or like mm. micro like anthology series okay. stories. Mm-hmm. Reservation Dogs from Taika Waititi. <laughs> Reservation Dogs. Yep. Okay. And Why the Last Man, an <gasps> adaptation of the graphic novel. So that's going to be fucking on Disney Plus. Nice. So that made me very happy. And so the, happy for you. But they keep talking about it means it's actually fucking happening apparently. So that's well, really exciting. Don't bet on that. <laughs> Learn from <laughs> Good me. Good point. Learn from me, my friend. Good point. Uh, Star will be serving as Disney Plus's alternate alternative sorry, to Hulu, which can be bumped together as a streaming service in the US, as I said. Star will be launching as a new hub on Disney Plus on February 23rd, 2021. So not far away. Oh, wow. Okay, great. It will not require a separate subscription, but will subsequently raise the price of Disney Plus. By how much? So, 
The new price for Disney Plus from February 23rd will be a monthly subscription of $11.99 and an annual subscription of $119.99. This is up from the current price of $8.99 per month and $89 for a subscription in Australia. That's all so right. it's a $3 increase for a bunch of new content. And let's be honest, it was already pretty cheap compared to other st- services. And you've got all that back catalog of Disney stuff and all the new stuff that we're about to talk about. I would say, well. like, Current Disney Plus is not worth eight nine nine a month. All of that extra stuff. I think if you're a parent with a child who likes cartoons, it yes, is. Yes, I'm talking about for me. Yeah. It's absolutely not. But all that extra stuff is worth the, the twelve dollars. Getting twelve dollars that it is now. That being able to include Why the Last Man at Atlanta and stuff like that as yeah. part of my Disney Plus subscription definitely makes it. I'm not going to be able to not have it yeah. anymore. I mean, I would always just pause my subscription in between seasons of Mandalorian, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting news to you? Yes, very much so. To me, Fuck that yeah. was the biggest headline. But, of mm-hmm. course, it barely makes it into the reports in the US um, articles about this because it doesn't affect them. Yeah. But for us and other international markets like Europe and New Zealand and stuff like that, it's like, fucking finally. This is very exciting, yeah. So, we feel like we're finally catching up with the US in some ways, which is good. There were 10 new Star Wars shows announced. Some of them have already been announced. But we mm-hmm. know there are 10 up and coming. Mm-hmm. Now, Damas, we re- talked about this last <laughs> week and I cut it from the episode. You so, did. we're going to very briefly go through these. Can't you just insert it here? Nope. Um, uh, okay. The, <laughs> we're going to start with the Mandalorian spin-offs that were announced. Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka... And the Book of Boba Fett, which actually wasn't announced at this conference. It was announced at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. How do any of those excite you? I like Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll watch Boba Fett because it's got Ming-Na in it. Mm -hmm. Um, 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 What else was there? And Rangers of the the New Republic. We're going to come to that one in a second. The Old Republic one? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Oh, no, what? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I was just talking about the Mandalorian spin-offs first. Because I was going to say that I was really excited, but then you had a look of glee on your face. I'm like, oh, he's going to rip my heart out. Okay. No, I I want to concentrate just (laughs) on those first three because they are going to be set at the same time within the same universe. I mean, they're all I don't care about the Rangers because they're just like space cops and who gives a fuck. Um, 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 Yeah. Ahsoka, I'm mostly interested in because I like that character. The Book of Boba Fett you have to convince me on. Mm-hmm. I could be convinced on Rangers. As I always say with this stuff, I come in sceptical at the idea. You show me one trailer and I'll go, I come in. Yeah. Andor and Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Bad Batch are three shows going to be taking place mm. in between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Andor based on the character from uh, Rogue One, who it's apparently going to be sort of like a spy thriller type show. Can you remind me again? I know you did this last time we had the conversation. Who's Andor again? He was like the handsome Han Solo-ish type guy. He like he's like a spy for the rebels. At the in, he's like the main guy in Rogue One. I don't remember. Yeah, that's. The I remember problem. the the girl. Yes, and then he ha- she had her handsome friend. Who played him? Oh, I don't know. I remember his name. I have to look it up. Because I always thought it was Pedro Pascal. No, it's not Pedro Pascal. Okay. But I can see but how they confused. They have, the a same, similar, right? they have a similar look. They have, you know, manicured beards and those sorts of things. That's why I thought he got the job on, Mandal- on Mandalorian because no. I thought they just really liked his work in Rogue One. Okay. Anyway. That, that's this coming. is blowing my mind right now. Okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was previously announced, had started filming apparently, then stopped production because they weren't happy with it. 
has restarted production, I believe, and that will be coming as well. The big news of that was Hayden Christensen has been announced to be returning mm. to play Anakin slash Darth Vader. In what capacity, we don't know, but this is the first time that I remember that they were ever talked about having Hayden Christensen back in, in that role in any way. Yes. So, with Obi-Wan hanging out with Annie... Um, Hanging out with Annie. Yeah. Is this... We don't know if they'll meet or not. We don't know. That's the thing we don't know. So this is post-Clone Wars? This is post-Clone Wars. This is post... This is between... This is theoretically when Obi-Wan's meant to be just chilling on Tatooine, watching over Luke. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Okay. So pre and New mm-hmm. Hope, post-Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith. How this is going to play... I, I'm... This is... Of all of these shows... This is probably the one I'm most interested in because I do like the character of Obi-Wan. I like Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan a lot. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best part of the prequel trilogy, which I don't like all that much. And I think it'd be an interesting place to see, get some an idea of what he was going through at this time. Theoretically, everything he's you know been a part of his entire life has fallen part around mm-hmm. him. And he's charged with looking after this kid who may or may not save the universe, but we're going to wait till he grows up. What sort of shit was he getting up to? Is he, like, still abiding to the Jedi Code? Is he maybe starting to fuck around a little bit? Is he like, just crying in that hut every is episode? Is he just crying in that hut every episode? <laughs> and if that's it, valid. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that one interests me. And Hayden Christensen returning is exciting, even if you don't love his performance. Mm. The idea that this guy's coming back, I think he's a fan favourite for a lot of people that grew up with those movies. And so that's exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. The Bad Batch is a Clone Wars spin-off. Those characters were introduced in the Clone Wars TV right. show, I believe. But it will also be set between the prequel and the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. They also mentioned they're making a Lando TV series. We know nothing about it. We don't know whether it's going to be Don Glover playing the role, whether what era it's taking place in. Mm. And finally, mm-hmm. The Acolyte, a mystery thriller set in the era of the High Republic Created by Russian doll creator Leslie Headland. I'm very interested in that one. That one. That one sounds super. Sh- that one next to the Obi Obi one. My, yeah, is my favorite, most exciting. I mean, I'm here for it. So that was a lot. This is all coming to Disney Plus. None of those are movies. We haven't talked about the movies. They were announced a couple of things there with Paige Jenkins and Taika Waititi as well. But in terms of that content for Disney Plus over the next few years, how does that make you feel? Are you excited? Are you exhausted? Are you, you know, worried? What are you thinking? I don't have that many emotions about it because it's all theoretical at this point. Um, I the, I mean, more stuff is, I guess, exciting because once again, makes paying for Disney Plus make more sense. Definitely. Um, there are a few things where I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I'll definitely check that out. But I'm not emotionally invested in whether these things are going to be good or not just yet. Do you have enough attachment to Star Wars as a franchise or as a property to be excited or worried just with the amount of stuff they're making? Do you look at that and go, oh, this is becoming Marvel or this is becoming, you know, another branch of Disney, which was always on the cars. They've done their trilogy. They're now sort of just trying to blow this thing wide open on Disney+. Plus. Does that concern you at all or does it excite you? Um, It doesn't concern me because I think for so long, like, a lot of the stuff that has been out there hasn't seemed great anyway. So I'm not like, oh, you know, they're really diminishing the brand or whatever because... Ah, that's yeah. an interesting take. That Star Wars is not actually all that good. It's got some high highs and just a lot of middling yeah, stuff th- in between. I mean, I think so. I don't think you're wrong about that. Yeah. The more I, I mean, think about I, it. I like a lot of it, but I don't think it's like... I, call me crazy. I don't think it's a sacred text. Agreed. So... 
That's fair. Yeah, if they make cool stuff, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is cool. If they don't, then I just won't watch it. Mm. There were 10 new Marvel shows discussed, we'll say, not announced because some of these we already knew about, mm-hmm. including WandaVision, obviously, that's mm-hmm. coming in January. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, new trailer for that, which is quite, quite cool. Mm. Loki, which we were aware of, yes, but they released their first trailer for it. Yes, I watched it this morning. What would you think? Um, 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 I really like Loki. Obviously, he's one of the more interesting villains, um, though it's not hard to do. I'm talking about... Super villains. Um, and then I was like, I don't really understand what's happening. And so then I Googled the acronym that they mentioned in the trailer. And I was like, huh, that seems quite interesting. I'll, I mean, I'll definitely watch it. I haven't gone that far to go down the rabbit hole of what this thing is mm. yet. I would just, the trailer, I had no idea what a Loki show was going to be. Yes. Right? Like the idea of a Loki show, I know he's a popular character, fan favorite. So yeah, makes sense to get Tom Hiddleston into a show. Mm. But... Watching the trailer and the tone they were going for, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this was not what I was expecting. Yeah. This is kind of left field, even for what, like, Marvel's been doing Guardians and weird stuff mm. for a while, but this is another level of, like, weird yeah. interdimensional. And in terms of, like, concept and stuff, it, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it has the possibility of being really episodic. Yes. Almost like the Mandalorian. So I'm sure. like, oh, fuck yeah, okay, I can get into that. It seemed, I the, the tone I was getting was this is going to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. and not just rooted in more Marvel superheroes doing their thing. This is going to be a very specific and and a unique Loki experience. And I, and I am finally excited about that show in quite a big way. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what If, which is an animated show, sort of taking riff from the comics, where they go, well, what if this scenario happened in a different way? For instance, what if Peggy Carter um, got the Super Soldier Serum instead of uh, mm-hmm. Steve... Steve... Why have I forgotten his name all of a sudden? What's Captain America's name? Steve America. <laughs> uh, Steve. Oh, my God. I'm Googling it. Rogers. Steve Rogers. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. This year has done a number on me. Uh, instead of Steve Rogers, um, little like lots of like, little what-if scenarios like that where things had gone a different way. Mm-hmm. It's an animated series. Animated series, but mm-hmm. with the original cast doing the voices. Oh, that's fun. Which is fun. I believe they actually got Chadwick Boseman's recording done beforehand. So, there'll be oh, a Black Panther one. Lovely. That will work for him as well, which would be cool. Um, that sounds like a bit of fun. So, it, I'm into it. It's a very comic thing, but I think, yeah, but it, it has the potential to be really, really fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very much looking forward to that, even though like, the animated things have been new for us. Ms. Marvel, the TV show, they announced the casting of who's going to be playing the character of mm-hmm. Camilla Khan, I believe, is the name mm-hmm. of the character. And that show will be coming out on Disney Plus this year. She will also be featuring in the next Captain Marvel movie mm-hmm. alongside um, Brie Larson, which mm-hmm. is cool. Hawkeye TV show with Hayley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop and the return of the guy who played Hawkeye, whose name I can't remember all of a sudden because my <laughs> brain's fried. Yeah. Uh, She-Hulk with Tatiana Maslany, which mm-hmm. we've already talked about. Moon Knight. Moon Knight, from what I understand, is a bit of like a tortured soul mental health uh, like, I think he's got like a split personality disorder type mm-hmm. thing. Apparently, a lot of people like him. He's like okay. Marvel's version of Batman. Heard of him? Okay. Yeah. Um, Secret Invasion, which this one to me is kind of a big one as someone who's tangentially into the comics. I did mm-hmm. read this Secret Invasion event as it was happening back in the day, and this was I think we talked about a couple of off-topic hot topics ago that there was going to be a Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. 
Disney Plus show. This mm-hmm. appears to be it. Okay. It will also have Ben Mendelsohn returning as his role as the Skrull, whose name I can't mm-hmm. remember, from Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And this will be about some form of Skrulls pretending to be people on Earth. Right. Which was what this huge event was that I always assumed was going to one day turn into like a proper cinematic universe, multi-movie like thing. Mm. And instead, they're just turning into a Disney Plus show involving right. two main people. I'm like, that's interesting. They're just sort of taking that off the board. And they've calculated that that would be too hard, too confusing and not worthy of the movies is interesting yes. to me. Mm-hmm. Ironheart, which is about Riri Williams, sort of the successor to Iron Man. Armor Wars, which will have uh, Don Cheadle returning as... War Machine, and also my favourite one, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. So, mm-hmm. written and directed by James Gunn, filmed at the same time as they're filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm. He will make a Guardians of the Galaxy themed holiday special. I can already picture Groot as the Christmas tree on board the ship. Yes. Fucking sign me up. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> yes, I assume that'll be camp fun. I'm into that. I mean, you listed so many and I think I might... Care about 5% of that. Okay, 5%. Did any of them stand out to you? No. Do any of them... It's one of those scenarios where you hear the names and you just go, cool, I'll wait till the trailer. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I've just got to wait for a trailer. It does seem that... Theoretic at this point. Disney Plus are learning how to get value for us, though. Yes. Like... That is true. Because that's... We've just done Star Wars and Marvel. Let's very quickly go through some other things. Disney Plus TV series, including the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I did watch trailer of that this morning. So, this is a sequel to the Mighty Ducks series. Mm -hmm. We see the return of... uh, Coach Bombay. Coach Bombay. I have one question. Mm. Where is... What's his Pacey's actor's name? Um, Pacey... Oh, Joshua Jackson. Where's Joshua Jackson? (laughs) Joshua Jackson should be in this show. Yes. If he's the baby Yoda of this series and they hide him from the previews and then he's in episode one is there the whole time, I'll be in. Without Joshua Jackson, I don't know if they're interested. I don't think he would want to, would he? Why not? What's he doing? I don't know, hanging out with his super hot wife, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I watched it. It looks fine. I think kids will really like it. Uh, a Turner and Hooch TV show, the Gaston TV show, prequel TV show that'll evolve... Uh, Luke Evans and is it Luke Evans, I think that's right. And the guy that plays um, LeFou. Mm-hmm. The Baymax TV show, so based off Big Hero 6. Zootopia Plus, which is going to be short stories or TV show set in Zootopia. Tiana, so that's based on The Prince of the Frog. And a Moana TV show. All these TV shows are coming as well. As well as movies, including Hocus Pocus 2, Three Men and a Baby remake starring Zac Efron, Cheaper by the Dozen remake, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers starring John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, Enchanted sequel called Disenchanted and Sister Act 3. That's a lot of fucking content. You've just flooded me and I don't care anymore. I know, right? I've it's totally like checked out. overwhelming. <laughs> Sister Act 3. Does that excite you in any way? With Whoopi? Yeah, Whoopi's come back. That's pretty exciting. That is. <laughs> <laughs> that is legit. Does it make you feel any different about that's a Disney Plus only show? This is not going to be a theatrical release. This is the same for Disenchanted. This is the same for Hocus Pocus 2. It's the I same mean, for the Chip and Dale movie. It's pretty smart because who the fuck knows what's going to happen in America in the next fucking year. Okay. Whether, whether they'll have theatres or not. Let's transition to our final news story then. Oh, God, what? Warner Brothers mm-hmm. is set to release all of its 2021 movies on HBO Max and in theatres simultaneously in the US. So next year, we'll be getting on HBO Max, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Mortal Kombat, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, Dune, 
asterisks on that one. They're trying very hard to not include that one now. Mm. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel movie, which we've talked about ages ago, and The Matrix 4, and that's not even naming all of them. Mm-hmm. That's going to be day one streaming the same day it's released mm-hmm. in theatres, at least in the US. Yeah. Is this the new normal or is this just a one-off, we don't know what next year's like, let's make sure our movies are out there? Or is this HBO Max trying to make people buy it by putting content on there they can't get anywhere else? I mean, it just seems practical to me if America, because they can't have another year of just holding off on everything mm-hmm. and just, you know, holding back, holding back, holding back. So it makes sense if they're like, well, we don't know if theatres can be open in one of our biggest markets. Yeah. Then it makes sense to do that. Well, so filmmakers are, are quite annoyed about well, yeah, this. Yeah, you would, would be, but also there's a fucking pandemic, so get the fuck over it. This is kind of where I'm at with this, right? I understand that people feel like their art is being devalued or whatever, but if it's good, people are going to find it. I think they're worried mm. that it's not going to get the credit or the acclaim that's somehow cheapened by being on streaming at the same time, that they don't get to have box office numbers to know how popular it was. So things like June might not have sequel potential if it doesn't make a billion dollars at the box office. Mm. I would argue Doom was always going to have a hard time because it's a pretty niche I watched sort of- the trailer yesterday because I went to IMAX to see Wonder Woman. Yes. It looks pretty goddamn exciting, that it trailer. It does look great. <laughs> yeah. But I'd argue that so did um, Blade Runner sequel mm. 2049 or whatever it was, and no one went and saw it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't great, was it? Oh, what? I didn't think it was very good. Oh, I really liked it. <laughs> At the very least, <laughs> it, it was, was beautiful. It was fine, mm. but it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, and I, I, so I understand that feeling precious about this thing you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into and wanting it to get the biggest possible release on the biggest possible screens in the, mm. in the country. But also remember, there's a fucking pandemic Bigger going on, picture, guys. Bigger picture, people. Yeah. Bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think it's for the best. Yes. If it's the new norm afterwards, that's the worry. That's a different conversation. That this is going to create a new standard where cinemas are going to die. And this is the thing. How does this affect theatres and cinemas? Is this going to be the death knell of cinemas, essentially, mm-hmm. in the United States and possibly around the world because of it, if it becomes the norm? That's a sad thing that we yeah. might not have that same experience anymore in our lives. Would you miss it if theatres became sort of like a niche thing? You could only go to like a boutique cinema to see some films? I think um, I would see it more as it would be like going to the theatre. So ticket prices to see like it on a on a big screen like that would actually be really fucking expensive just to make it a viable business model as opposed to independent cinemas somehow surviving longer than the bigger ones do. So I think it would be more you go for that really big experience and everything else you'll just watch at home on your TV. So I think it'll be something special and probably quite expensive as opposed to like, um, yeah, yeah, your local independent store going see independent films or whatever. What is it about cinemas currently mm. that draws you to them as opposed to watching something at home? Like what what part of that experience is superior? The size and the sound. The sound I agree with. I don't and know. all the snacks. <laughs> the snacks that cost a trillion dollars. Yeah, because it just reminds me of my childhood. Like you go, you walk in, you smell the popcorn, you buy your snacks, you get in your seat and you just start munching away. And then you're ears get blown off. It's wonderful. Okay. Because I would argue the problem at the moment is that 
so often my experience go to the cinemas mm. is less than ideal. Oh, because you're annoyed by other people. Mostly because yeah. I share it with other people. <laughs> it's I, true. I don't necessarily think true. that... Like, if I go to the, I went That's to the movies... That's what's great, because I went to Wonder Woman with social distancing. Right. Because there was space. Okay. So, this is where I, sort of where I'm going with this. Mm. I can go and see something like Toy Story 4 and get really fucking annoyed that the screen is not in focus. And it's like, why am I That's even valid bothering <laughs> annoyance, yeah. to watch, go to the cinemas and pay money to see this mm-hmm. when this screen is not even... The, the basics you need to get right is not mm-hmm. working, right? Um... I go and people are fucking talking through the cinema or using their mobile phones and all that sort of shit, right? Making the experience worse for me. I could be sitting at home watching this on, like, I've people invested in a great TV. love recording the opening of a fucking movie. To say they were there. Snapchat and then I was just it. like, if you want to fucking film it, firstly, go fuck off. <laughs> but also, turn your screen brightness down, you fucking loser. Anyway, go on. To me... The thing that would more likely draw me back to the cinemas at the moment mm. is for an Avengers-style thing, where I get to go opening weekend, mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by other people who are excited about this as well, yeah. and we all share in that energy together. Yeah, it's a real special occasion. That is the thing I can't get at home. Yes. Which is the same when people go to live theatre. Like, it's that- it's, Definitely. That's what I mean. Like, it's going to be a special occasion. Right. Yeah. But that's the problem, right? Because mm. all of a sudden, if that's the case, you're only going to the thin- cinemas for- massive blockbuster films. Yes. You're Which I stop- think is what's going to happen. Well, it's already sort of trending that way and this just seems to be speeding up the process. We're yes. not seeing those mid-level sort of like A or double A features anymore. You're not seeing like tense spy dramas and stuff like that. It has to be a massive brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like that's being sped up now. And that's, we're only going to have, you're going to have two extremes. You're going to have your little like Nova Cinemas in Melbourne where you get mm. your international yes. like festi- festival circuit films mm-hmm. and you're going to have your Avengers Endgame and yeah. nothing in between. Mm-hmm. Everything else will go straight to streaming. Because, I mean, call me crazy, but you don't need to see a rom-com or an intimate spy thriller Correct. on a giant screen with huge fucking speakers okay. and all that stuff. So, if, say, Avengers 5 comes out, right? Yeah. And it is not coming to everything. A every- quiet spy thriller? What will I do? <laughs> no, 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 hmm, no. Good question. No. So, if Avengers 5 comes to cinemas mm-hmm. and... It will only be at cinemas for like two or three months. It'll come out on Blu-ray, you know, four, five, six months later or whatever. Mm-hmm. It'll come streaming after that. Are you willing to pay $50 to go and see that? Like pay more to have that Avengers experience. There'll be no other reason to go to the cinema yeah. except for that. And you'll pay even more than you're currently paying. Mm-hmm. Like tickets in Australia cost at least $20 if yeah. not more. I think if the cinema experience continues to evolve the way it has, like now we go to just like, Pretty much like your basic cinema experience is like on a very comfortable reclining chair. Um, You know, if there were things like, you know, you get a bit of a meal or whatever it is. Like if it continues to do that, like it actually becomes a real experience. Sure. Why not? Like what, once or twice a year I go and see like a film that I'm really invested in. Yeah, I'd do that. Okay, but that's sad too. But that makes it inaccessible to other people Exactly. It becomes a luxury more than it already is. So personally I would, but... That I don't like the idea of it, yeah, becoming inaccessible to people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything is gold class all the time. Yeah. And you only go a couple of times a year instead. Mm. Like, that is the death. I think that is the death of cinema, yeah. not the evolution of I cinema. I mean, I'm already only going a couple of times a year, really, to the movies. It's kind of... But it's exactly what you, I think you said it best. It's well, what theatre is, right? Mm. Theatre is a prestige thing. You go to the big events mm-hmm. and the little stuff in between struggles to get an audience and make, a, yes. make its budget back. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Damask, what have you been watching? Oh, well, as I mentioned earlier, I went and saw Wonder Woman 1980. Is it 1984 or just 84? 1984. 1984 last night. Um, I went to the IMAX um, 3D. So, totally unnecessary, but I just wanted it to be. an IMAX 3D? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know it was in 3D. I didn't know they did 3D movies anymore. Me either. I bought the ticket and I was like, that says 3D on the end. Um, and then I was like, fuck, I, don't, I can't see 3D movies. But now that I have my glasses, I, say, I you can. That, didn't you? Yeah, yes, right. I did. So I, I popped my little glasses on. It was totally unnecessary to see it in three D, but it was quite fun. Um, I honestly had no idea they were still doing that. That's me incredible. either. I really didn't know. I just wanted the the big screen. But yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Um, what? So I was trying to avoid any real discussion about Wonder Woman mm-hmm. because I had seen a trickle down of like really contentious conversation about it and I was like I just don't I don't want that's a bad vibe I don't want that I just want to see the movie and feel what I want to feel and I don't want to soak up in anyone else's anger about whatever the fuck they're angry about and I was watching it and I I was like I legitimately cannot understand why anyone would hate Mm -hmm. this movie I don't I also like 
personally wouldn't understand why anyone would be like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. But I don't understand why or how it could make you so angry. Is Wonder Woman just a victim of the internet where it's like- Oh, people love an opinion. I mean, we've got a podcast about opinions, but- But it's only the extreme opinions that make it through to you ultimately. Yes, I, I think so. And like- I think when you see someone really, really loves something and you didn't, the the need to be like so angry about that and mm-hmm. like vitriolic, I get. Yeah, I was baffled as I watched the film being like, I don't know how you can have a strong opinion about this. Um, I had a lot of fun while watching it. I thought it was very silly. Um, I mean, I do have like some criticisms of it. I think the resolution was very simple. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's any... That reminds me of the first one too. Yeah, but I don't think it's any more simple than just pummeling the bad guy, which that's how a lot of them end. It sure. was just like, oh, that was very easy, but it didn't ruin the rest of the film. Yeah. That's just how they wanted to end it. Um, it was a little sappy, but I was like, okay, that, that's that's fine. Um, there was also a moment where I didn't quite understand the exact mechanics of what was happening in the resolution, mm-hmm. um, and I just think that was it wasn't explained perhaps clearly, and that's a problem with the the filmmaking and perhaps the writing as well. Um, it was framed in a way that made me go, "Wait, what? What's going on here?" Um, and then I did understand it was still a bit murky, but it's it's not a big deal. I don't think you get the you get the gist of it, and that's good enough. Um, I really liked not the very beginning, but more of the opener. When we are in the eighties, mm-hmm. it it reminded me of, you know, the TV show. Like, it had a silly edge to it. Do I think they could have pushed that silliness all the way throughout the film more? Absolutely. But I like that. I think it set the, set the tone of like this isn't going to be a dark and broody thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to feel like perhaps a movie from your childhood or it's something of that's the just, era. Yeah, just something a little bit simpler <laughs> than. An overly complicated thing. Yeah, I've seen very vague comparisons mm. or like implications that maybe if you're a fan of the original Superman films with Christopher Reeves, totally. it's got a bit of a, that energy to it. Yeah, it's not quite as um, camp as those, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think has perhaps the essence mm. of that. It's I could use a little bit of that in my life. Yeah, I think it's. It's not a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. It's not a DC film. It really is its its own thing. That's and the best I, thing. And you I tell was me. and I was very happy just to enjoy that. I enjoyed myself. Cool. I thought um, Pedro Pascal was a great villain. I loved his motivation and his function. I thought, huh, this is. I am just as engaged in what you are doing as anyone else in the film, cool. which is great. Uh, Kristen Wiig is amazing. I think she, what also embodies those kind of 80s and 90s things is she plays that classic character of like, oh, I'm nerdy and I like fall over and like, I wish I was cool. Like, sure. Which is exactly who she's meant to be. And I think she does that wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And like, you really feel for her. Um, so that character I very much enjoyed as well. I, I had fun. I, it was my... First experience back at the cinema. Yeah, I was going to ask And about it that. was uh, really nice. That's good. It was good. really nice, yeah. Um, what was the last time you were at the movies before this? Was it Cats back in- Did Invisible Man come out after Cats? You did, yeah. Invisible okay, Man so Invisible Man, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. 
which okay. was also a great experience because I screamed in the cinema. But yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. So it's been a while, but no, it was it was lovely. I I have no real complaints about it. Sure. It doesn't make me angry in any way. I'd happily rewatch it again. You're not running to the cinemas to see it again, but you're also no. Like- but I will. I think watch it again. Yeah. Like when it comes out on streaming, I'm like, you know what? I'm hungover today, like I do with a lot of the middle range Marvel films. I'll pop that on. I'd happily watch it. Yeah, sweet. And also, I think um, Diana and Barbara have a bit of chemistry at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, they could. This could be the beginning of a rom com. Cool. Yeah. So, which I like that element, obviously. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm seeing it mere hours after we finish mm, recording. Fun. I'll be off to see it myself. So, I'll talk about it maybe next Off Topic, Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. Anything else you've been watching? <sighs> well, the internet told me I should watch Bridgerton. Mm. So, I haven't finished it yet. I'm about halfway through. Mm. What's Bridgerton? It's So, it's by Sh- Shondaland. Um, so, Shonda Rhimes. It's a period piece. So, it's kind of like, I guess... I'm going to say Jane Austen, but it's actually got nothing to do with Jane Austen. It's just a period piece, really meets. It's like a romance thing. It's got the. It sounds like the setup sounds like a Jane Austen novel, right? The idea of like, yeah, like well to do people so. who like yeah. are meant to, you know, have chemistry yeah. and fall in love, whatever. Yes, it's got the basics of um, people who are clearly meant to be together, but for whatever societal reasons can't be, or sure. whatever. Blah 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 blah. Um, this show has such little tension that I could scream. Because obviously- So little tension that it makes a, you want to scream. It's a foregone conclusion what the fuck is going to happen. Uh-huh. We get it. The, apparently, these people really want to bone. Although, I think the lead actress is very good at portraying her attraction and interest in the lead man. He <laughs> in no way has chemistry with her. And I don't know why, but he looks – it might – okay. So, I have a theory that it might be that he doesn't know how to genuinely laugh on camera. And so, if you're meant to be having, like, great banter and stuff, but one of the actors can't laugh naturally. Sounds sarcastic every time they're, like, it laughing something you say. Yeah, it just looks forced. He's faking And it. so, it kind of yeah, – pretty much is what I'm saying. He's, yep. he's faking the chemistry and I can see that. Yeah. I also think you need to be attracted to men to enjoy this show. I that think- was your tweet. I, yeah. I shared that with somebody who was very into this, Paul. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's totally valid, right? Like, I watch things for that reason all the time. Like, well, I want to fuck these people, so I'm going to keep watching. Mm-hmm. I don't have that motivation. So, I was watching it being like, this show is shit. It's like, it's, it's not good. Um, I think... So, so I've watched about five hours of it now and it has, this show has about five different sets. It has about five different like pairings of people. Sure. And every time you see those pairings, they have the same conversation with each other. Okay. They talk about the same thing over and over and over again to the, it became laughable to me. There's particularly one character who at the beginning I thought was going to be probably one of the more interesting characters because the leads are very basic and boring. But I was like, oh, a couple of these side characters are interesting. Um, she pl- It's the character of Eloise, so it's the main character's sister. She's like the, the feminist. She loves reading a book and all that jazz. Every single scene, she is 
pretty much yelling at someone, being like, I'm a woman and I can't do anything. If I was a man, I'd be a genius. Like, that's all she says. For the first five hours of this show, (laughs) it never goes anywhere. Mm. Well, it certainly hasn't yet. I don't know anything about her except for that one statement. Mm -hmm. She's not a person. It's fucking boring. And they do that time and time again with pretty much all of their characters. I hated it. (laughs) I really didn't like it at all. Would not recommend unless you want to fuck men. Where can you find Bridgerton if you do decide you want to fuck men? (laughs) If you finally come to that conclusion about yourself, (laughs) congratulations. It's nice to know oneself. Um, You can watch it on Netflix. Nice. Mm. Anything else? Um, I mean, Real Housewives of Potomac yes. has come to its conclusion. Oh, it is rapidly becoming the most engaging Housewives franchise that right. Bravo has. Um, so this season, it started with our character Candace, who is a fucking brat. She's a piece of shit. Anyway, but you start off the season and you think she's had like some growth. So, like, there's some real, like, emotional intelligence and empathy that she is showing for another cast member who she's previously fought with. You're like, oh, because Real Housewives of Atlanta has had a character, character a person called Portia. I love you keep saying character. Well, I they, mean, they are. I was going to say. Um, and Portia has the best story uh, character growth, I think, in television history. Like, it's so... Pardon? Yes, it's so fucking good. And I'm not... Joking. I, You're competing so- with, like, Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender here. I know, bro. It's <laughs> incredible. Okay, so in one of her first seasons, right, they go to a place where the Underground Railroad, like, obviously that's where they were, like, sneaking people through. Sure. When they're in that house getting a tour, and this is a group of black women, Portia Williams goes, oh, but, like, where, where's the entrance to the tracks? She thought it was a literal underground railroad Uh, this season she is protesting and being arrested and being a huge advocate for the black lives matter movement and that's only in a political spectrum her emotional growth and relationship growth is fucking incredible anyway i'm talking about atlanta now stop distracting me but potomac so you expect perhaps candace is on the beginning of that journey just becoming from a girl to a woman then there is a fight that breaks out and it's between Candace and another woman and Candace gets her ass kicked and I think deservedly so. Wait, are we talking about a physical fight? A physical fight. Oh, shit. Yes, which is very quite – it's quite rare. It's not that rare, but it's more rare on Housewives than, say, other shows. Like you watch, sure. Yeah, if you watch <laughs> Mob Wives or whatever, they're beating the shit out of each other every other day. Um so Candace is, you know, I would say a victim in that circumstance, though she was she was literally asking to be punched in the face. Um, but then she just she tries to like get this woman sent to jail. Every scene is her crying about how she has PTSD about it, which she definitely fucking doesn't. Mm. And she just becomes the worst fucking villain. But it like this this season just has had this beautiful journey of highs and lows with the character of Candace. And it's been one of the highlights of Real Housewives this year. Wow. Mm. So that's something else I've just finished watching and it was nice. mwah, can't wait for next season. Anything else? I think that's oh, oh. actually. <laughs> I just saw sorry, I just saw the gift. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I watched Soul. 
Okay. Oh, you oh. blow up the ah, mic. My ears. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Soul then. That's why I went, ooh, because you watched it, didn't you? I did watch yes. Soul. This is on my list as well. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we can both have a chat about it, but I think it was... So, Soul, this is the new yes. Pixar film. This mm-hmm. is the second Pixar film this year that's just been released onto streaming services rather what than getting first? onward. Uh, that oh, was that's the right. fantasy. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, ages ago, yeah. Yeah. The, well, yeah. Yeah. It was this year, though. I know, but it was, it was five years ago. Yeah. Uh, Pixar apparently have already done the the HBO Max thing and just releasing their shit straight to Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Soul starring Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. Uh, what's the plot for this one? A jazz enthusiast suddenly dies after mm-hmm. getting his big break and then is in the afterlife and is trying to get his way back to Earth so he yes. can get to his like mass big gig. That's kind of... I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, but I think that's, that's, that's okay. enough. Yeah. Um, well, just first impressions on Soul. Like as I was watching it, just, well, just just general overview overview of that so far of your impressions. Um, I was like, oh, so this is kind of like a natural progression, I guess, of what they were doing with Inside, Inside Out. Out. Like this- same director, I might as well. Pete yeah, Doctor. Yep. I was like, this is interesting. Um, and then as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is quite charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as it went on, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> What are, you, what are you saying? What are you saying about all that I believe to be true? <laughs> and it just, it breaks it down and I I finished it and I was like, that was not a film for children. Yeah. <laughs> that This is a film for adults it's to like 100%. reflect upon their own life. And I was like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> How dare you? No, I, I mean, I wasn't like crying i watched it with angela and she was crying and stuff and i could see how you would Mm -hmm. because i think it is a very emotionally rich film Mm -hmm. um but i thought it was poignant yes i think point is a very very good word for it Mm. Uh, my just general review is that Mm. i fucking adored it Mm -hmm. i think it is. It's got. It's. It's doing a lot. Is if if I had a criticism for it, right? I think it's trying to fit a lot. Sometimes into it. they either said something or did something. It made me go. I think I understand what you're saying, but I need to reflect on it. Sure. It's. It's more that like. It's. It because it's such a big idea, yes. right? This. It's, it's just got to like. Mm. Get, well, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Quite literally. It is literally conceptual. A concept. Yeah. <laughs> there are literal. Yeah. Like concepts are characters yes. in this. Yes. Um, the the pace it has to move to mm. get to where it's going at times is so breakneck. And at the same time, though, I was never confused by it. Mm. It knows how to get the information it needs across in a charming and fun way. But I was like, boy, wait, the first twenty minutes, I was like, we are just moving, mm-hmm. aren't we? Where is this Which going? Which felt really exciting. Which was exciting. And I also love what something that Pixar can be good at doing sometimes is surprising you with where the movie goes. So there's yes. a, a thing that happens probably at the... It, must, it really would be the end of Act 1, I guess. Or mm-hmm. where we... I don't want to say what it is, but yeah. like something happens and I'm like, oh, I did not expect this to be the movie. And it kind of becomes the biggest chunk of the film. Yes. No, I, I did not know... I think I know that, what you're talking about. I was like... Oh, <laughs> this is what this movie is. Yeah. And beautiful from mm-hmm. start to finish. Possibly the most beautiful Pixar film to date. Uh, it's just gorgeous in terms of what it's doing with like character design mm. and 
the the world that they we spend time in. It's just so rich and textured and amazing. I went back and watched Wally afterwards, thinking, "Man, I used to love that. It's such a beautiful film." And I'm watching it now, going, "This looks like garbage." <laughs> You're like, "Boo!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like it still looks great, but yeah. it's like you realize just how far we've come. This in. looks like garbage. <laughs> well, I mean, there's well, a lot of garbage. Garbage, yeah. But it was <laughs> it is incredible how far we've come with yeah. that now, and we just take it for granted. I think with Pixar, mm. the human characters, like obviously the design and stuff, is stunning when we're talking about like the afterlife and the character designs mm-hmm. of those people. Which I think is very cool Ridiculous. and looks great. Such an incredible but idea! But I just like the way that the human characters look. Mm. I fucking loved. There's a character of like a barber. Everyone talks about this guy, and I think he's beautiful. That's what everyone. As soon like- as I saw him, I was like, I want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, one of my favorite sequences in the film, and what I yes. want to get to was again, it's really hard to talk about this without spoiling it because it's very conceptual and it is taking you on a very emotional and intellectual journey, I think. It's got some very big ideas. It is... Pixar has always had this way of being family movies that appeal to both kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Kid, adults really appreciate Pixar films. You can see it happen more and more with Toy Story. Mm. Get to Toy Story 3, which is fucking existential crisis in its uh, of a film. <laughs> and then Toy Story 4 goes another level, like talking about like being a, a parent, basically, and mm. what it means to what you do with your life after your kids grow up. It's sort of the idea of what that film is, right? And then this is like the first time I feel like Let's just make a movie for adults that kids can watch and enjoy mm-hmm. as well, rather than the opposite way around. Yeah. And I think they realize their audience is the parents taking the kid and being like, oh, here you go. Yes. And your kids will look at you at the end of the film and be like, why are you crying, mummy? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I want to get to. Mm. I can see why this is pe- making people cry. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me cry like Toy Story 3, every time I watch it will make me sob like a baby. Well, yes, as it should. Yes. I think. Everyone should have that reaction to Toy Story 3. Right. I don't even like thinking about it. Move on. Move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It didn't make me cry because mm-hmm. what was interesting about it is that philosophically, I was nodding rather than having a revelation, yes. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It was so affirming mm-hmm. of what I believe to be true about yes. life and living that I just was like, yeah. this fucking movie mm. gets it. <laughs> and I'm yes. really happy that a piece of pop culture is out there that's talking about this mm-hmm. in the way that it is. And- so effectively mm. articulating something that I truly believe with yes. my heart. I think, like, I really appreciated these kind of ideals that a lot of people believe in, which I haven't for a long time. Sure. But seeing the anxiety of a character who doesn't fit those ideals, yes, even though they have, like, tried for a very long time. And I was like, I recognise for whatever reason, like, personality or whatever it is, haven't been able to have or live by those ideals that a lot of people do. And I was like, oh, this is really, I this is nice for me. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. And it, to me, it's almost like a commentary or reaction to what Disney have been doing for as long as Disney has been making films, mm-hmm. right? Disney sells this idea of what life should be. Yeah. Um, don't get into specifics. I don't want to spoil <laughs> this film, but, you know, follow your dreams mm-hmm. and they'll be happy, right? Yeah. And there's another film that Pixar do, which has a very similar message yes. that I love in Monsters University, a underrated, great mm-hmm. Pixar film, I truly believe, mm-hmm. with a fourth act you will never see coming. Um, but fuck, that's a good film. Mm. And I love that Pixar are doing this. And I love that Disney in general are doing this, sort of uh, starting to even be able to understand like some of the messages that we give. Yeah, they're inspirational, mm. but maybe you're seeing people up. Another side to it. Yeah. but it's There not, is a darkness to it's it. It's not doing it in the frozen way of like no. Disney princesses. It's, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's more in depth it's than just that. It's really another reflect- perspective. Yeah, it's reflecting on said. the yeah their own perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I I adore the movie because of it. I mm-hmm. I love talking about it. I think we're going to have to find a way to have a spoiler discussion about it because I, I just think it is that cool. And mm-hmm. I again trying to avoid spoilers. I think it was an amazing bookend to this year when you also apply the good place finale, which mm-hmm. happened at the start of this year. Yes. And it's been a fucking shit year in mm-hmm. so many ways. But what the good place offered me with where it concludes mm-hmm. and what soul offers me at the end of this year are two pieces of really good pop culture that are speaking really at my heart as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's very cool that it exists. Yes. I, I, yeah, it's very good. Everyone go watch Soul. Agreed. It's so, so good. Uh, should I talk about what I've been watching? Yes, please. Uh, I watched a few Christmas movies this year mm. around Christmas. I'll very briefly talk about those. I watched The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's all right. How'd you feel? Yep. Pretty right. good. I think that's a perfect summary of it. It's all right. It's yeah. all right. It's There are parts of it that I, I don't love. Cameron Diaz's character is awful. awful. Uh, but, you know, Jude Law, Kate Winslet, Jack Black- all having a good time. Mm-hmm. The relationship between the character of Kate Winslet and the older the writer script writer from oh. Hollywood is excellent. That's the best part of the film. Best part of the film. Mm. Um, it's a bit of it's a bit of an underuse of Jack Black. I thought they, they were trying to play him as way too straight for what Jack Jack Black's strength comes from his extremely large personality. Yeah, that's his most charming quality. Yeah, yeah. but you know it was also good to see him in a rom com where he can be paired up with Kate Winslet. I was like, oh, that's nice. Mm. Good that for Jack nice. Black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was all right. I don't think I'm going to be returning to it every year no. around Christmas, but I, you know, I can see myself watching it again one day. Mouse Hunt. Oh fuck, that takes me back. So this is a we were looking, we were putting the Christmas tree up. And we're like looking for a, Steph and I are looking for a um, a film to watch. We're putting the Christmas, a Christmas movie, and we came across Mouse, and I'm like, I don't think it's a Christmas movie, but let's just put it on anyway. It feels like one. Anyway, mm. there's a scene early on where there are carolers. I'm like, it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it doesn't lean into it. Boy, I like that movie. Mm, How many I, times have you seen? It's got Nathan Lane. Yeah, I mean, not since I was little. Uh, it is a like uh, Home Alone style romp and I think it is very good. Nathan I think L- I found it very stressful as a child. It is quite dark. Yeah. Like it is, it's got a real dark edge to it and these people are not great characters. Mm-hmm. I... I think it's just an underappreciated, what should be a, one of those classic films that people mm. talk about all the time in the vein of a Home Alone, not because it's a Christmas movie, but just because it's just a fun, like, caper-style slapstick comedy film that with now great performances- making me think that I should watch it. I think you should. I okay. think you might really, really like it. I think it has got, like, it, dark humour. It mm-hmm. starts with characters- coming out of a church with holding the casket of their recently deceased father. Yeah. And then they're arguing because this is this is the the whole thing is about them, these two brothers that can't get along, mm-hmm. that have different philosophies on what their dad did. And they're arguing so much that the casket breaks, slides down the stairs, <laughs> rockets into the air and then falls into a drain pipe and they lose it, to, you know, somewhere into the Bay of New York. Great. It's like it is, it is a kid's movie, theoretically, but it's got this really like... Mm. black comedy edge to it in a way right. as well. I I think I, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is a good movie that no Where one talks about. Where did you watch it? Is it on Netflix? Uh, I think it's on 
Dan Stan. or Amazon Prime. I cannot remember which one it was on. Uh, I think I will check that. it out again. Mm. I also watched uh, the new Stan original movie, A Sunburnt Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's an Australian Christmas film. Australian Christmas stuff is sort of a genre of its own way because mm. we aren't in the Northern Territory. We don't have Northern Territory, Northern Hemisphere. We don't have white Christmases. We kind of have to keep like adapting Christmas stuff to our part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of attempts at this. Um, a Sunburn Christmas, I think, is a pretty strong attempt at an mm. Australian Christmas movie. It is Did you not- ever watch Bushfire Moon? Never even heard of Bushfire Moon. Okay, it's an Australian Christmas film that I used to watch as a kid, but I don't actually know. If- I've got- I can't remember. Probably not. Um, it is not the best. You will see its themes and its ideas coming from a mile away. What I think it is, it's a strong performance from the lead actor, who's I can't remember his name. I'm not going to look it up right now. Um, but also, while some of the performances aren't brilliant from some of the younger cast, it has its heart and its sleeve in the very right place. Mm-hmm. And it the script does the work, if that makes sense. Like, it might be obvious or it, you might see everything coming, mm-hmm. but it does the work to get to where it needs to be. It's a very, very sc- strong screenplay, I would argue, in terms of how it's constructed. Cool. Um, and that made it better than the average Christmas movie, I think. Yeah, nice. Certainly better than than average, because everything needs to be put in this context, Australian Christmas movie or mm-hmm. even Australian movie in general. Mm. I just thought it was very, very strong in its execution. Well, it's construction more than its execution, but strong enough that I enjoyed it. And if you're looking for something a little bit different, especially if you're an Australian, want to see something that represents you around Christmas time, I'd definitely give A Sunburnt Christmas on Stan a go. Cool. Finally, before we get to our 2020 uh, wrap-up discussion, Taskmaster Season 10 mm. came to an end. There is a New Year's special coming out this week. I, I'm somehow watching in the UK. Don't ask me how. <laughs> Christmas miracle. It uh, Taskmaster was getting me through earlier in the year when I discovered it for the first time. Yeah. And season 10... It's really helped in lockdown. It has really helped in lockdown. We've yep. talked about it numerous times. But I think season 10, as weird as it sort of was when there's social distancing on set and like you can feel the energy is a bit weird to begin with, mm. might be my favourite season of the entire show. I like, I really like four out of five. And then the fifth one is not is not like I dislike them. I just find them a little bit stale. Mm-hmm. But four out of five of their their contestants this year are great. Awesome in their own way. Mm-hmm. Daisy May Cooper in particular is possibly my favorite contestant ever on the show. I have, I definitely have uh, a shared competitive streak that she has <laughs> that I really appreciate. Yeah, she is also involved in some of the funniest moments. Ever oh, on the show, I'm, legitimately I'm go home, fly to the cr- UK, and yeah, watch it. Yeah. Crying, laughing with some cool. of the stuff that's going on yeah. it is they have an excellent chemistry and energy. And it's this done now, so I can binge it. It's all out. If I was in the UK, okay, you, cool. if you're in the UK, you could watch it all. It, uh, I really, really, really like this show, and this, and I'm so glad that like when something gets to its tenth series, mm. you might, and, and it's changed, I think, channels a couple of times and stuff like that. You might assume it's going to start to lose its way a little bit, and like. I would argue that sometimes the, sometimes the tasks are not as inspired as they once were. They're sort mm. of like trying to find new ideas in there. But the cast is so strong this year that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. It is really, really, really good. Because it's never really about the task. It's about the sometimes brain, it is. a brain trying to figure out how you would then approach. Because I remember the early seasons, the approaches were either so ingenious yes. or so fucking stupid. But generally really outside the box yep. and I really appreciated that. And then I think towards the middle, maybe the later seasons, that 
the ch- challenging yourself to think of the weirdest way you could handle it. Yes. Um, that was less and less. And I was like, nah, I want more of that, please. Y- yes. So that's interesting as well. I don't necessarily think this is the most... Hmm. Sometimes you, you come in and go, these p- couple of contestants are really smart and understand mm. how to apply like yeah. their br- brain in a uh, what's the tangentially like apply, mm-hmm. apply their logic to this to puzzle to make it work. There's not less of that happening this season. There's also, I think, my least favorite seasons have people I like in it, but they seem to be just trying to to make the comedy happen inorganically. Yes, They've- I think you and I had a conversation recently, and we discovered we had the same. Least favorite season. Least favorite season for a very similar reason. Yeah. And it was and I think that was a lot to do with dynamics. So you can have like, you know, you've got your character or whatever who is really simple and you know, appears stupid mm-hmm. and you've got that versus someone who might be quite cheeky and trying to cheat in mm-hmm. ways but think they're being clever. And then you've got, you know, a bit of a genius who's just like somehow nailing it in a really bizarre way that you could never have thought of. Maybe you go, huh. Like, what a brain. But you need, like, the balance of people, whereas yep. that season was just people being a little bit too dumb. I think they were trying to- They were trying to be. To yeah. make the comedy happen, to make it happen rather than let it happen. Yes. Whereas this time around, what I think works is that just about everybody is equally invested in actually just- Not that they're, like, desperate to win, mm-hmm. but they do want to- They do want to compete. Yes. And so, by caring about the mm-hmm. task- and wanting to do well rather than just trying to make it funny, mm-hmm. it's inherently much more fun yeah. and funny. Yeah, that investment the level investment is really important. It's just mm-hmm. right this season. Yeah, cool. Uh, anyway, go watch Taskmaster and season <laughs> 10 is great. Let's talk about 2020. No! Oh, yeah, we're going to do it. I can't believe we're doing it. Uh, all right, let's just start with our general feelings on the year in relation to TV, of course, but pop culture in general, the world, and the podcast hunting seasons, Damask. Oh, just about that stuff. Just about that stuff. How are you? How do you feel about? How you, what are your thoughts and feelings on twenty twenty? No, you can start, <laughs> bro. With that intro, fucking shit would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what can I say that hasn't been said about what a terrible, terrible year this has been for the planet Earth? Mm-hmm. Uh Nothing's gone right. All plans <laughs> off the table. It's just a matter of trying to survive. But I think there's been some notable highlights along the way. I feel very, very lucky that amongst yes. all the shit, there has been some positive bright sparks in my personal life. You got a house. I got a house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. I have a fiance. You do. And my football team won two years in a row. <laughs> Go Tykes. Congratulations. So, you know, there was some bright spots along the way. Mm-hmm. It was a weird one for the podcast, I think. Mm. Um. We were trying to adapt on the fly. I think our energy is generally better when we're in the same room. Yeah. Um, and trying to do it over Skype or over Zoom every week was a little bit weird. But we made it work for the most part. It wasn't as consistent as I'd like it to be. I think we had more momentum last season. Mm. But there were a few things as well that I was really proud of this year. It was fun having Paul Mitzi from the Swapcast podcast on the show. Always, yeah. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Was, he... he Came on for the first time at the start of this year. He's been on a few times since then, and it's been a pleasure to have him on the show mm-hmm. um, as the unofficial third chair of Hunting Seasons. I think he'll be on again. He wanted to be on this episode, but we couldn't make it work time-wise. So you're getting plenty of mentions, Paul. You should be happy about that. And I'm really, really proud of the one... If there's one part of the, the podcast this year I'm proud of, it was our Quarant TV specials, but specifically our bonus episode with our audience, with our listener suggestions. Mm-hmm. I love that episode. Oh, that really? was so much fun to make. To hear from people who were listening to the show. Yeah, that was good. And to to get their recordings and be able to feature them on the show as well. 
I really, really enjoyed that. That was for me. That's one of the highlights of the podcast in general. I just want to thank oh, everyone nice. who participated in that. that yeah, was that was great. really fun. What about you? Um, oh, I mean, it's it's really hard to reflect because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it it was a hard year. Obviously, I haven't worked since March, so I've just been at home, which was quite difficult. I somehow managed to finish my degree online. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm now a master. Um, bow down. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's also a bit hard because – so this was going to be like my final year in Melbourne. So it would have been a year of like making great memories, like saying goodbye over a long period of time. And that that is no longer possible because I've had to do it from my study over Zoom, mm. which is quite different. Um, so that's been hard, but I will say it has taught me cause I'll be in March, I'll be going to Perth. It mm-hmm. has taught me that I absolutely can maintain relationships at a distance through a camera. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that was a really big worry for me. And that's been a huge lesson is knowing that I can, um, and what a relief, right? Because I think if you certainly for someone like me, if I believe that I can't have conversations over the phone or over Zoom or things like that, then I just won't try. But now I know mm. I can and I can have a great – I can have a bit of a party at home with a drink over Zoom with someone I care about. So I think that has been really beneficial for me, um, even when it has been quite hard. We're obviously going to have to make the podcast something we do remotely, yes. virtually all the time. Mm-hmm. If we're ever in the, each other's, you know – personal company, we'll make sure to record an in-person one as well. Yes. But that will be the norm. I hope what we do, though, mm. I, I, that's going to keep us connected, obviously. Mm-hmm. I hope we can find time to do some of the things. One thing we did during quarantine a couple of times mm. was we had little oh, play yeah. dates. Yes, they were great. Where I was building a Lego Millennium Falcon and yeah. you, what were you doing? You I were was knitting. knitting a blanket, yeah. And they were great. Just they chill were. out, like, craft days Because you just, Zoom. like, set up your computer or whatever and then you're just, like, doing your little task and every now and then you're like, oh, what about blah, 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 blah. Like, there's no pressure to entertain one another. Yes. You just happen to be hanging out in the room together, which, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, actually. That was really nice. Yeah, that was really good. Um, In terms of, like, TV, I got exhausted having to think of what else I'm going to watch. Because yes. I was just, I was home 24-7, um, as many of you out there were as well. And so I just started re-watching shows that I love. Like, I re-watched Happy Endings. Mm-hmm. I showed Angela Happy Endings, and she liked it as well. Community, obviously, I've re-watched a bunch of old seasons of Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. That was really nice, just to kind of, like, spend the time doing something I love that wasn't taxing in any way. Um, uh, that's the thing about the Quarantine TV thing that we did the ambition mm. that yeah. we're gonna we'll get to all these shows that we should watch <laughs> those things be mean to watch you know we're still waiting to get to the soprano season three that mm. should have been something we got to this year but it was just it was too much work it was so yeah. much easier just to watch the season of community or yes, a season of parks and rec or something like that much nicer i mean yeah that's not a failing though that is how we survive yeah you need to give yourself a little break and i thank goodness for shows like mm. community and parks and rec and stuff like that that i had and taskmaster as i've mm. already said that kept me that were just the right sort of energy to get me through the Task, darkest days. Yeah, Taskmaster was so, so beneficial. It was even like beneficial at Reefly when my cat passed away. But like mm. for a while I was just in the spare bedroom with her like on a mattress on the ground and I just put like Taskmaster on and it was like it's such a good show to watch when you like you don't have room in your brain for 
anything emotional. Yes. It's just pure fun and you feel like you're hanging out with friends. Um, so, yeah, that show has been amazing. But, I mean, Mandalorian was a real highlight mm-hmm. for me. Um, season two of Pen15 mm. was fucking well, great. Should we transition to shows of the year I then? I think we should, yeah. Let's let's start with Mandalorian and that's a good place to start. Mm. Big highlight for you? Yes. It, uh, it's maybe in my top three it would be number three. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it was a really fun adventure. And it's been like so long since I've enjoyed an adventure series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the last one that I really enjoyed was Legend of the Seeker, which I don't know anyone who's actually watched it. I've never had, even heard of it. Had two seasons. It was filmed in New Zealand or something. Sure. Um it was like all the power modern day power rangers yeah, shows. Yeah, exactly. And like Xena and stuff and right. Hercules. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, which I loved, but yeah, so Mando just kind of reminded me of that and mm-hmm. that was amazing. But yeah, so it would be in the top three, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's my favorite or, yeah, favorite show of the year. It made my extended list for shows of the year. I know yeah. the last episode was a long diatribe <laughs> of me just talking about my problems with the finale, but I do want to reiterate that I really liked the season overall. <laughs> like did. I had a very fun time with it, and week to week, I just couldn't get over how much that we were getting quality, fun mm. Star Wars. Yeah. Every like it was a treat over mm-hmm. eight weeks. I fucking I love that about yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um. It can hurt me at times, but that overall <laughs> the, the best feeling relationships is- are like that. Though, aren't they? <laughs> overall, they make it. you feel something. Mm. But um, a show that is a, I think a little better for me and something that I was just like, this is my jam mm-hmm. was the great. I think it's my number one show of the year. Yeah, it was. Oh, I I've heard people like criticize the pacing. I thought the pacing generally was really good. The performances yeah. were amazing. The level of um the stakes, the building of stakes in that show mm-hmm. had me invested every step of the way. It was also really fucking funny. Really which funny. Which I did not see coming. It was such a nice shock. Yeah, so it's definitely I I'll put it number 2 for okay. my show of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think the great for me, I think, is my number one for exactly what you were saying. And it comes from a place of being fresh as well. There's yes. other shows on here that are like final seasons and stuff like that that, mm. that mean a lot. But the great, at, at the time, I think we got to the great as well. We were naive young babies. We didn't really mm-hmm. know what the rest of the year was had a, in store for us. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, it was a good way to start the year. It really like, was. Yeah. It was such a breath of fresh air. So well written, so mm. well performed, beautiful sets and costumes, even if the sets got a little bit repetitive because we kept being stuck in the palace all the time. But like the, I just had a blast with it. I cannot yes. wait for season two. Me too. Like whenever yeah. that is coming, man, could that be next year? I don't know. That's exciting. That is really exciting. Yeah. Mm. What Should else? I, oh, I've, I mean, my, it's hard to say favorite because I think out of enjoyment level is probably the great, but I, this show blew my mind. It was sure. just like, I may destroy you. Absolutely. Was perfection to me it was a clear vision from someone with a their own identity and perspective about a very specific thing and yet was engaging to a like a mass audience and that balance while not compromising your perspective or how you feel about something it was glorious to watch and I can't even imagine like the amount of like power 
<laughs> like personal power you would have to have within yourself to be able to create something like that in the and perform it as well. Mm. It 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 blew my mind. Really heavy subject matter, but in no way joyless. No, it's also something that I, I I mean, I think it was beneficial and healing to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was it's a challenging show at times, but it's yes. not in, unenjoyable Mm-mm. in that sense as well. Yeah, and it just as you were saying, I think it's just it's. It's a triumph on every level mm-hmm. of conception, writing, execution, performance, all of it. Yes. There doesn't fail at any level. It's got something to say. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot to say. Um, and it's not black and white, which I like about it as well, yes. but it also feels like a complete thought. It is, it, it is definitely, while The Great is my favourite show of the year, I think I May Destroy You is the best show we watched mm. this year in terms of what it was able to yeah. achieve on every yeah. level. There's no way around it. It's the a five-star show. like nuance. It felt like a very real adult conversation about something that has been treated very black and white. Yes. For a very long time, if not forever. Mm-hmm. And so to watch that discussion, like someone have that discussion with themselves in that way, done so well, mm. was... Yeah, it was amazing and a real highlight this year. Even if at times it was trying, it was 100% worth it. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give a shout out to The Good Place Season Mm, 4. I wasn't always as high on this show as you and Sean were when we were reviewing Mm -hmm. these. Shout out to Sean Kirkpatrick. Um, I really loved that season overall, but particularly Mm -hmm. its ending. Mm -hmm. I think endings are so important for defining... I talk about this all the time. Endings define, you know, what your overall message is. And that finale is an all-timer for me. I think it's such a perfect, perfect ending for this show. Um, Similarly, BoJack Horseman, season six, part two, Mm. we reviewed this year. And what an ending for that show. It feels like it maybe ended a little bit too early. It was sort of rushed. Mm -hmm. Where there was more it could have said, perhaps. Netflix decided it was time, however. But... um, Mm. Yeah, what a way. And and an absolute contrast to The Good Place. Like, they yes. are related in what they're talking about, but also very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was in my, you know, extra notes were both of those shows giving us an ending that felt right. And it's yes. so hard to do endings. It is so, so hard to do them. Um, and I don't envy any creator having mm-hmm. to do it, particularly in, in Bojack's case of doing it before you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they both felt genuine and carried through the essence of what they wanted to be throughout to the very end. Yeah. There wasn't, it didn't feel cheap to me. Like no. for either of them, I was like, that feels right and fully realized. And it like, it's such a gift to be given an ending. Yes. Because so often yes. we are not. And so to get two really good ones of shows that we have spent a lot of time on, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it, it put a big smile on my face this year, absolutely. Uh, kidding, season two, I would also like to give a bit of a shout out to as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very, very, very good season ultimately. Mm-hmm. It had some lowish lows, but it was the again actually the ending of that it we didn't know that was going to be the ending of kidding i think the people involved in making it would have liked to have done more mm. but i personally am like where it ended was a good place it i could have done with yeah. more but um it feels also like a complete thought and mm. an emotional arc that we've completed here mm. and i really really like the way that ended and it's it was just one of those unique shows that i think not enough people have gotten around to um mm-hmm. 
and that you should. De- I think it's one you should definitely give a go. And both seasons are pretty great. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think in terms of addition, like a second season that I watched this year, I really liked Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved the first season, and it, the show continues to be just just as good. The chemistry between the two leads is wonderful. It's very over the top in terms of plot, but they sell the realness of those situations so well. I think it's a very funny show. It's a very dark show in a lot of ways. I really encourage people to watch Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. It's a very fucking good and it's quite fun. Where can you find Dead to Me? Is that Netflix? Netflix? Yeah. What's that? I need to get around to seeing that. I haven't mm. watched that yet myself. Uh, the Queen's Gambit, I won't go into detail about that one because you disagree, but I enjoyed The Queen's <laughs> Gambit for what it was. Yeah. I thought that was a fun, like, week's worth of television there. The Crown Season 4 was also excellent. Harley Quinn Season 1 obviously didn't release this year. But boy, that was a fun little uh, surprise for us, how much we enjoyed that. Mm. That was one of your, I thought, favourite shows of the year. I think you gave it five stars, ultimately. I loved it. I was going to mention it, but I know that because we're behind. Yes. And but- it's, I checked... Today, mm. it's still not on Amazon here, season two. It's bloody annoying. Like I'm going to do for Taskmaster, I'm going to travel somewhere magically um, <laughs> so I can watch it because I'm so sick of fucking waiting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I wasn't going to mention it because we are behind. But I loved it. it. It filled me with so much joy. It was silly and fucked up. I love the chemistry between certain characters. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see where that goes. Um, yeah, that, I, it made me very happy, that show. Very, very happy. And at a time, I think, when I was probably struggling with what was going on here and I was tired and it was like, I can watch the shit out of this show. Yeah. So, yeah, I finally got season two of Pen15 and I was a bit annoyed because I remember saying, yay, season two of Pen15 is coming out or it's, a, you know, yeah, it's about to come out. And you're like, oh, it's only like the first half. And I was like, for fuck's sake. That's, I mean, I'll enjoy it, but I, I hate half a season because mm-hmm. it's not. You don't get that satisfaction. Um, but I don't even know. It didn't feel like a part. That's what everyone's saying. It feels like it's it's a, it's, it's whole thing. I mean, and what I love about, what I loved about season one was it really was a show where you watch it and it just kept going, do you remember this feeling? Do you yeah. remember this feeling? Um, and the remembering of it was what made it so funny because it's so silly. The way you feel back then, it's so overly dramatic and stupid but what this season did that I really appreciated was it it does that as well um but it it's more poignant it's more that do you remember the feeling is also saying that feeling of heartbreak or loss or whatever it might be and it does feel like that the first time you realise the world can be really dark and hurtful is just as valid. You don't look at those hurts as an adult and go, though you might in your mind, but when you see someone experiencing it, you're like, no, that is terrible and that is mm-hmm. valid to uh, have felt those things and how it absolutely affects who you ultimately will end up becoming. Um, yeah, they just pushed it to that next level. It was... It was more. It was still the same, but it was more. And I it. loved it. Yeah. Very cool. I got to get around to Pen15. You we really need, do. We, maybe, maybe we can try and uh, review the first season and the second season yes, in early 2021. Mm. Uh, favorite episodes of the year? Well, I'll start off with Pen15 opening night. 
Okay. Um, it's the final episode and it nails what I was just describing. Cool. Like that's really where it hits home. You're like, oh, this show has is taking itself more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they did it wonderfully, yeah. Very cool. But I, I won't, because the final episode, so I won't go into it. Totally. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, the finale of The Good Place, yeah. obviously. We've already talked a bit about that, but I <laughs> we agree. Have. Um, obviously, BoJack Horseman's um, second last episode. Penultimate episode. Yeah. The view from halfway down is, I think, is probably the best episode of television we watched, individual episode we watched this year, mm-hmm. in terms of BoJack has a way of doing some incredibly incredible one-off episodes mm-hmm. that just dive into an idea or a concept head yeah. first. This is... Not a happy place um, no. for Bojack to be, but it is so well executed in its in what it's trying to achieve. The feeling it's trying to create is, uh, yeah, incredible. Just yes. enveloping, and yeah, I don't want to spoil it. It's it, <laughs> brilliant. Better than the finale is very very good. I think it it's the it's the epilogue the show sort of needs. Yes. But that second last episode is probably what the culmination yep. of six seasons of BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really really incredible yeah. stuff. And in that same vein, so obviously with I May Destroy You, a lot of its episodes, um, I thought the finale was incredible. Yes, because um, it the finale re- was incredible because it was really about. It was a discussion on conclusions. Yes. Um, and what that means. And the way they did that was it made it hurt my brain almost. Because I was me at like, first. I know what I want out of a story. You're not giving me that and now you're gonna tell me why you didn't and why that's better and yeah. and I agree with you, <laughs> which is it was amazing. Yeah, that was a journey of like what's happening. What are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It was Fucking clever. Um, and then in terms of like mentioning a show that I haven't already spoken about, um, Angela got me into what we do in the shadows. Oh, yeah. And there's an episode that is so ridiculous and so funny. It's um, called On the Run and it's like a standalone. Cam Williams, friend of the show, yeah. will not stop talking about this episode. <laughs> What's his Jackie Daytona? Yeah, yeah. Is it Jackie? I, I, think like he, I think that's right. Yeah, it's it's. I was watching it. And I was like, "What are we doing here?" And then I was like, "I don't care what we're doing here. I'm having a great time with <laughs> this version of the character and invested in like this small town dynamics. It was wonderful. <laughs> it really was wonderful. And I like I. I have very much enjoyed that show. It was, I think it was another one of those shows during lockdown that was a bit of a romp. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, it was silliness as the movie is and I think it echoes that really well because it's always a bit of a worry when you have that adaptation, but it was well done and this episode just fully lent into the silliness cool. of what that show is and they did it really well. Another show I need to catch up on. Mm. Uh, I do want to also mention there was... Okay. Probably, I don't know, and it's Uh-oh. not episode of the year. Uh-oh. But I do want to mention Doctor Who Series 12, Episode 5, The Fugitive of the Jadoon, which was just like, I had been in love with Doctor Who. Mm. And I was being a little disappointed with the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have an episode that made me go, oh, Doctor Who can still do this. It can I don't still even make remember me- that episode. The, the Ruth character. Uh, oh, my God. I don't remember any of it. Okay, I, I to 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 explain it to you would be to spoil yeah. it. I'm just keep talking. I'm going to Google. Anyway, it was nice to have Doctor Who remind me that it can still do 
you know, big ideas that sort of blow my mind or do exciting stuff with that franchise and that, that character that I, ha- I just hadn't done in a while. So that was really good. Also, Rick and Morty season four had a couple of great mm, episodes, yeah. uh, particularly Never Ricking Morty, which is the story train episode, which just my dumb um, <laughs> circle story circle brain loves. But especially episode eight, the That of Acid episode, which is just a perfect execution on the dumbest mm-hmm. idea ever and make and uh, a great example of the Rick and Morty dynamic as well. It seemed to just continue to play with their very complex toxic relationship they have going. Mm-hmm. Um, that one episode of television there as well. Do you remember the Fugitive of the Jadoon episode? I, I'm looking at the character and I was like, I recognize you, but I don't remember anything that happened in it. Okay. Well, it was a good episode, Doctor Who. You know my memory, Brad. <laughs> I can't remember that. Uh, standout performances of the year. We've already mentioned that The Great had some great performances. Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt in particular. Nicholas Holt is on my list, yeah. Absolutely. He's like... He's unhinged. He's like terrifyingly privileged. And yet somehow, somehow you feel sympathetic for even how pathetic he is. He just is engaging at every step and very funny. Very funny. Mm. Very, very funny. And yeah, it, uh, what a cunt. But yeah. <laughs> Yes, agreed. And yet here, here. I want him in every scene. Mm-hmm. Uh I think Kate Blanchett, really, her performance in Mrs. America was very, very, very good. And a lot of performances in Mrs. America were very good. Um, mm-hmm. And they're worth talking about a show that I haven't thought about since we watched well, it. Well, that's the thing. is like they were all good because all of those people are really good. Absolutely. I don't think none of them were giving me anything that is like a standout in their careers or whatever. It, I think it was a solid show. I enjoyed it when I watched it, but mm-hmm. I'll never think about it again. Totally. Michaela Cole and I May Destroy You. Yes. I mean, she's the writer, producer, director, everything for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was her introduction and mm. what an introduction. Mm-hmm. She is Indeed. a force to be reckoned with. I really liked Annie Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit. You didn't. We'll move on. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to those Grogu puppeteers. Oh. They are doing God's work. They really are. They're, they're performing magic every week. Mm-hmm. And even though he's behind a hel- helmet, um, uh, I forgot his name all of a sudden. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. I want to say Pablo Hidalgo. It said Star Wars person, but not right. the right one. Pedro Pascal uh, is doing great work as well. Um, selling the moments he needs to sell, we'll say, mm. uh, in a great way. I'm yes. really enjoying him. Any performances stood out for you? No, my top two were Michaela Cole and Nicholas Holt because yeah. they're absolute standouts. I think we're the two. Biggest disappointments of the year. I'll let you go, Damask. Number one, Mulan. Oh, yeah. I still haven't watched that. it's such a great story, but none of that matters because, like, all this shit is happening and it's exciting stuff. But if it's happening to someone or a character that has no definition, you do not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, Mul- it's called Mulan and Mulan wasn't... Of any interest, it was disappointing to say the least. Um, Killing Eve season three. Yes, that was on my list. A once perfect show with it had a perfect season. Well, that's what I'm I'm saying. A once perfect show. In my opinion, it did decline, but I was still enjoying myself. But season three was. An affront. <laughs> an affront. <laughs> I found personally like me last week. assaulted <laughs> by season three. Um, yeah, it just turned to a piece of shit. 
and that's all I have to say about that. It's true. It was extremely disappointing. It's fucking stupid and boring. And I was just like, oh, why? Anyway. And no, where was the sexual tension? It was gone because there was, well, they removed the tension. The tension was gone. Oh, that's, that's it for me. There's a whole episode we talked about this. You can listen to that episode <laughs> yeah, of the podcast. Sorry. But it's, it is disappointing. But that's the emotion, right? It's yeah. like a show you were super into that seemed to be doing so many things right and mm. then for whatever reason just cannot keep that going. And I mean, I'm, I've fallen off the wagon. Yeah. I mean, I'm done with that, really. Um, Westworld season three, which, okay. I didn't even bother putting it on because I knew it would be fucking shit. So how can you be disappointed anyway? Well, I got sucked in. <laughs> I guess there was. I had hope. Season two, mm. season one was great. You're a sucker for a trailer. Season two let me down. I'm a That's sucker how for a trailer. They get you. Yeah, they they market to me and it'll pull <laughs> me in. And they marketed it in the, just the right way to make me go, oh, maybe there's something here. And even the first episode made me go, oh, some good stuff going what here. What a grotesque misuse of Aaron Paul. Like, just shouldn't have been there. Yeah, miscast, boring. I think the boo. I think the misuse of Tandy Newton is way more of a oh, front. Well, at this I mean, point. they've been doing that for far too long. Yes, yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, uh, I, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm not watching Westworld <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Lovecraft Country season one was a bit of a disappointment too. Ultimately, because it, yeah. it was a disappointment in the sense that you can see the potential for mm. a great show in there mm-hmm. that just seemed to keep getting in its own way. And mm-hmm. I want to love that show. I think it's got. A lot of things to say mm. and fun ways to do it, and then just keeps tripping over its own feet. And listen to our review about that if you want to understand what we're talking about there. But mm. yeah, that disappoint that disappoints me a little bit. Yeah. Makes breaks my heart. It wasn't better. Um, I always suspected upload was shit, so nothing to surprise me yeah. there. <laughs> I was I, thinking about them like I wasn't disappointed. I was validated. I was Yeah, yeah, I was disappointed in Paul, but that <laughs> happened many times. Um, another one of mine is Doctor Who. Yeah, I wanted it to be great. Yeah, I wanted to reinvigorate the series for me because I haven't been super keen on it like I used to be mm-hmm. since the end of Matt Smith's era, um, and it felt safe and a bit dull. Like the dull shine, is the right yeah, the shine it. wasn't there, yeah, and that was really disappointing for me. Um, another one, I'm that- not enthused or excited about this me New either. Year's special at all. Me either. I, I will watch it because I have to watch it, mm. but I'm not racing to do it. No, uh, another one because I was like, oh, this is probably going to be right up my alley was Space Force. Yeah. And it was fine. We were going to review that until yeah. you watched it and we were like, don't bother. And I was like, it wasn't very good. Yeah. And it should have been great. It and has, it, it's got so many things working for yeah. it. On paper, it sounds like a great idea. Mm. But yeah, so that, that was disappointing to say the least. Mm-hmm. I also just want to say the biggest disappointment that wasn't a television show was Glow being cancelled. You want to talk mm. about how lucky we are to get endings for shows Mm. and like we didn't love season three compared to everybody else but we you know one more season to wrap this up we love these characters we Mm -hmm. love these performances it was happening apparently and then exciting things were on the horizon where you where they ended it and i was like okay i want to see like where that goes my beloved betty Mm -hmm. things were happening things were moving (sighs) yeah that's that's really disappointing that that again like the lizzie mcguire thing was offered to us told it was happening You'll get it'll get its chance to end and then it was snatched away and just gone. Just like poof, it's just done. You are done. You're not getting any more. Don't expect any more. It's just not happening. Yeah. Very fucking disappointing. Cause like that was on my most anticipated list from last year to next year was like I look forward to the final season of Glow. Mm-hmm. And now it's just not coming. Yeah. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> Fuck you. Biggest surprises of the year. Well, 
one of my biggest was quite recently and it was Saved by the Bell. Mm. I was like, oh, I'll give it a whirl. And I kind of heard the vibe they were going for. I was like, I hope they can pull that off. I doubt they can, mm-hmm. but I hope they do. And then I started watching it and I binged the shit out of it. I thought it was so funny, pitch perfect, like tonally it was pitch perfect. It's exactly what it should be, like Saved by the Bell should be in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um Great, like some really great comedic performances. Obviously, you got a bunch of the old gang back and just chewing the scenery. Like, I think really appreciating the opportunity to make fun of their beginnings. Cool. Um, Is this like... It was really well, like good natured. Like I, it was, I liked it. Is a it lot. in the? Is it? Because I haven't watched any of this. I'm not really. Mm. I like. I'm aware of Saved by the Bell, but I was never an enthusiast. It's of like Saved the, by the Bell. Brady Bunch movie. I was about to ask. Is yes. it like the Brady Bunch movie? Is it, it is. like those sorts of things? Because mm-hmm. I really appreciate yeah. those. They're, they're very funny. Because like the premise is Bayside High exists, and it is what you remember from Saved by the Bell. Like they still go to the same little cafe, and everyone is very rich and privileged, and engaged in the most ridiculous hijinks. They're all about hijinks. And then like another school, a poorly funded school is closed. And so those normal kids are dropped into Bayside High. That's a cool idea. And are then engaging with these very privileged asshole people um, in this kind of, it's of our universe, but definitely not our, like it's, Strange, but it's really fun. That you you sold it to me on some <laughs> level. Like, oh, why didn't it not? I don't remember the trailers pitching it that way. It was more like, see the old gang again. Not we're going to comment on how that what that was. Yeah, it's it really is a comment. There's oh man, one particular joke. Why can't they pitch it that way? I understand. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Disney can make me watch their stupid shows with their marketing, can't you? <laughs> but it was yeah, it was really good, and I I recommend it. A lot of fun. I've got a couple more surprises, Please but do. tell me one of yours. Well, my surprises are a little bit. None. I'll put it this way: none of them are of this year. I guess the surprise for me was like Community got its due a little bit this year. It got put onto Netflix for the first time. Mm. It kind of had a bit of a resurgence. Okay, saying, yeah. People who had never watched it before, it was like sticking in the top ten of Netflix for quite a while. Their mm-hmm. Avatar and Cora have both done the same this year, which yes, has been cool I too. Noticed that. Um, Cora just arrived on Netflix in Australia, which is cool. Uh, oh, biggest disappointment, the creators of Avatar leaving. Sorry. Anyway, go oh, on. Yeah. Um, anyway, Community just sort of having a bit of like a, like, then they had the cast reunion. They did the read along to the season four episode. Mm-hmm. And there's like talk that there might be a movie finally. That was a nice, lovely surprise for mm. me as a massive Community fan. Um, also, just in terms of shows we watched this year, Harley Quinn, we already talked about, mm. um, which I liked more than I thought I would. And I need to get back to Black Sails. Because ultimately at the end of season one of Black Sails, I was like, oh, I think I think the show's pretty that good. That was shocking to me that I actually liked that. Yeah, that yeah. was a surprise, right? <laughs> it was Hence a surprise. why I was a surprise. I need to get yeah. to Black Black Sails season two. Mm-hmm. I'll get there, GJ. Fair enough. Uh, I was really shocked that I genuinely enjoyed Haunting of Bly Manor. Sure. I had no intention of watching it. And then Angela was like, you know, watch it with me. I was like, oh, f- fine, I will. And I, because I didn't like the first one. I thought it was quite silly and the monologuing though in that show, the first season was fucking atrocious. Anyway, this season, it was still a bit stupid, obviously, um, but the performances were so charming Mm. and uh, there's a love story that I was very invested in that was was shocking to me. I was like, I didn't know this was in it and it was and I was like, thank you so much. Um, But yeah, it was one of my... My best like TV experiences through the year. Like cool. I just 
really enjoyed it. And it's and it sat with me for a long time after I finished it. Mm. Beautiful. Anything else? I think we were all surprised by Tiger King. I did not see mm. that coming. I and it was right at the beginning. And I thought the world <laughs> the world was weird enough, right? Because it was before we had adjusted to exactly what it was all gonna feel and look like. Yes. And then Tiger King happened and I was like I I'm in a different version of reality. of reality. And I was surprised by that. I was surprised by the whole thing of Tiger King. Uh, the whole thing of Tiger King, yeah, well said. Do we just, you know, however many months later, mm. we've gone through so much together. Mm-hmm. Can we just look back at that and go, you know what? It's okay. I understand things were strange at the time. This was a bad moment for humanity. <laughs> but- it was it was a weird time. We'll move on. Let's not reflect too much or judge us on watching that show and making it such a big deal and get no, on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think if we didn't make a big deal of it, it would be a poorer reflection of the world we lived in. That story is fucking weird. Every person in, involved in that is an aberration. Like something... It's a fucked up story. Yeah. I, but and the people I, I, I in it I'm are thinking, fucked up. I, okay. I'm commenting more on the world's obsession with this story because I tried watching and got four episodes in and was like, I can't keep watching this. This is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. I think we didn't, we didn't know who we were. <laughs> that was it. We were lost. Where we, yeah, we were lost. We were lost. We were lost. And then and we this- clung to a raft of insane yeah, American yeah. bullshit. And, and what you know what? We, we gra- it was desperation. And w- again, I don't think we should yeah. judge ourselves too Once harshly. Once we were out of the rapids, we could <laughs> let go of it. Yes. But, um, I think but we may have. I say, it was a wild ride <laughs> at the time. <laughs> well mm. said. Well said. Um, any other surprises? Um, just if, another one quite recently because people kept telling me that I should watch it. And I was like, I'll get there. Um, was Ted Lasso. Oh, can we review it? Everyone's talking about how sure. good the show is. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I mean, it's one of those shows where you absolutely have to leave your cynicism at the door. That's okay. Um, it's very hopeful and beautiful. It's and a sports I show, Damask. Fucking- I'm going to love it. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was, I mean, it's not real. Sure. But it is beautiful in its essence. And I really, it. It was heartwarming. Heartwarming is absolutely what it is, yeah. I woke up today to the news that Michael B. Jordan is going to be directing Creed 3. And I Tessa did Thompson say that. Returning. Mm. And let me tell you, that made me very happy. Very happy boy. I'd like Ryan Coogler to come back, but if it's got to be anybody, I think Michael B. Jordan directing that. Mm-hmm. that he owns that character now. Yeah, that, I mean, I mean for that. Uh, sports movies, man. They're great. Um, most anticipated... Shows mm. of 2021. Yep. I've got it straight off the bat, WandaVision. Like, WandaVision is top of the list. Like, that is the tippy top that I can think of. Like, when I'm thinking of shows next year that I want to watch, it's pretty much that. Like, I'm fascinated by the premise. That trailer is really good mm-hmm. and really exciting. I love Elizabeth Olsen and I fucking love Catherine Hahn. And Paul Bettany. Give him some duty. Of course, of course. But uh, those ladies in particular, um, yeah. they can get it. So, yeah, I'm, that's number one on my list. Yeah. WandaVision rockets to the top. The funny thing is, I want to go through this very quickly too. Mm. Let's go through the list of most, most anticipated from last year. Oh, Star no. Trek Picard was on there. 
did not get around to it because I heard average things about I it. I watched a few, but then I was I just got confused because I didn't know anyone. Sure. Mm. Everything's going to be okay. The new Joss Thomas television show. I watched most of that first season and it was average at best. Mm-hmm. Run, the Phoebe Waller Bridge series on HBO. Never got around to it because everyone talked about how shit that was. And yeah. Westworld Season 3 was also on that list. So, you know, <laughs> I was let down a little bit last year. That's funny. I think I watched the first episode of Run and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so, it, as I go into what's on the list this year that was on there last year, I do have a little bit of what, maybe it was just mm. 2020 being 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021 will be better. Falcon the Winter Soldier, I'm still excited about, but One Division is by far the most anticipated. Mm-hmm. American Crime Story Impeachment was meant to come out this year. It was meant to come out around the election. I do actually pushed. have that on my extra notes as well. It's like the next one down is impeachment. I am yeah. properly into that. The first Drama. American Crime Story was excellent, yes. the O.J. Simpson one. The second one, Gianni Versace one, was only okay. It was fine, yeah. But the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton story, that's gonna, that's gonna, that could be very yes. good. I think it's time to analyze that situation again. Yes. Um, with a different lens. Absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a post Trump world analysis as well, where we can maybe look at that. Yeah. I don't know. Without that sort of in our vision at the same time, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yes. What the, we'll see where the good state point. of the world is at that point, mm-hmm. too. Uh, theoretically, we might be getting Russian Doll season two this year or next year, mm. which I'm absolutely looking forward to because the Russian Doll season one was perfection. Loved it, loved it. Loved it. And most of all, again, this is still from, from my list last year. These mm-hmm. ones I'm mentioning. Why the FX series? Why? Which is apparently going to be something Keep I can watch on Disney+. Keep everything crossed, my friend. Keep everything crossed. Oh, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I love that, those stories so much. I hope so it's much. good too. I really, really do. Um, I've got some new ones to add to the list, but what else have you got on yours first? No, that was it. I literally had one division and okay. engagement. Yeah. Well, Loki has now been added to my list based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. I am excited for The Mandalorian Season 3, which I think is meant to release at the very end of next year. Right. It might be the start of 2022. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Are we getting a Barry Season 3 next year? Oh, I fucking forgot about Barry. We're due. It feels like we're yeah. due. And I'd I, happily watch it. I'm yes, yes, super yes. excited for more Barry. I can't remember if Atlanta season three is next year or the year after, mm. but it's getting two, season, two more seasons. It's been like so long since Atlanta. Yeah. I think my enthusiasm has died down, but I'm sure once I, once I start watching again, I'll be like, oh, yeah. It, the, the time in between can make it hard yeah. to, um, to get there. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four. Should probably oh, yeah. come out next year as well. Like these are things that I expected in some ways to be out at the end of this year that yeah, haven't happened. I think I've just so much time has passed. <laughs> so much has since happened the, since the the time before. <laughs> um, I've forgotten about all these these shows that once filled me with so much joy. And on the list that I, I was looking at, some lists of like other people's anticipated shows. Someone mentioned the Cowboy Bebop live action show. Yes, which started filming, then they had to cancel because John Cho oh, yeah, broke his himself. leg. Yeah, but it's been filming in New Zealand, and theoretically they've been able to continue production of that because of that. So does that mean that's coming next year? Maybe that'll be good. I hope so. I think. I think. Uh, really, Wandavision is at the top. Yeah. Like stands above all of them, and I then mean, ba- probably Barry. Honestly, I, I just can't see Barry being bad. Like if that comes out next year. Why would you say that out loud? Sorry, uh, sorry, I shouldn't tempt twenty twenty. If you wrote twenty twenty, I think it's that one's done. But no, yeah. no, I blame. I mentioned it in twenty twenty. Oh, right. The stink of twenty twenty will follow into next year. <sighs> yeah, I've. Uh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't wanna, I want to 
continue to believe that years are real and if it has a different number attached to it, it means it's it means that it's somehow dip going to be different. So there's some magic, some yes. arbitrary... Because we all believe in the idea of mm-hmm. years, that there is some power around that. Well, that's what we do for money, so I'm just hoping it works for years as well. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what do you how, where do you see hunting seasons going in 2021? Uh, um, if the world still exists, well, it, we'll be doing it... I'll be doing it from Perth. Come March. We've still Come got March. three months. We do. Together. Um. I, we've, we've spoken a little bit about what we would like to do and I think for those that have either been with us from the beginning or have come back and listened, although a few of those people, I'm so sorry, to our first few episodes, is we originally like wanted to watch shows that we already probably should have watched yeah. um, and we've spoken about perhaps, you know, once a month, like every four episodes, perhaps doing you know, getting back to doing The Sopranos or, you know, finally getting around to Mad Men and all those things that I would like to watch or feel like I should watch and discuss with you. Yeah. I would like to be doing those more regularly if we could. Um, Get back to a little bit of that book club format. Yeah. Doing it probably monthly. We don't always have to keep up with what's coming out that week, which I think is an added stressor for us mm-hmm. to kind of do that as well as like choose, well, which fucking peak TV thing are we going to have to jam in this week or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- I really like to be doing that again, I think. I like that. I think that's how we'll start next year. Mm. So from here, basically, we're going to take a bit of a break for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, yep. come back sort of mid to late Jan, mm-hmm. and we're going to come back with The Sopranos Season 3. <laughs> I think I'm looking forward to that. I know that I've got time to watch yeah. it. It's not going to rush it. I never am looking forward to watching The Sopranos, but once I'm watching it, I was like, well, this is this is a good show. Yeah. Yeah. So, we will see you then. I think that's enough for this wrap-up. Anything else you want to say about 2020 before we, before we move on to 2021? Goodbye, 2020. Go fuck yourself, 2020. <laughs> uh, thank you again for listening to Hunting Seasons, this uh, off-topic, hot-topic 2020 wrap-up spectacular extravaganza. Indeed. It's over two hours long now. Uh, we will see you in 2021 uh, sometime mid to late Jan. Thanks for listening. Bye. Good day, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah.